Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy, James. Hello there. And this week is no exception as we take on episode 186. We're looking at Now TV Sky Cinema uh, because we've done a lot of the other streaming sites. We've done Amazon, we've done Netflix, we've done a lot of the small screen recently. Um, so we thought, actually, let's give a little bit of love. Yeah, to the forgotten streaming mm. sites, the, the, the left behinds, the unwanted, the unclean. <laughs> but, but then also movies that are probably on multiple platforms anyway. Oh yeah, oh yeah so, definitely. Yeah. You know, but either way, we thought we'd go down that territory. So we've got plenty of movies to talk about. And of course, there's been a huge movie released this week. And that is, of course, uh, the Batman starring Rob Pattinson. The Batman. And then, you know, just, you know, if you like the sound of that, maybe go back to last week and listen to when we did the Christopher Nolan trilogy. Great episode. Really great back to get back to Christian Bale and his I'm Batman voice, you know. Mm. It was really good watching them three movies and then going watching the Rob Pattinson ones. Yeah. I mean, so we're going to try not... You'll hear the Batman in two parts today. We'll talk about our Batman. And then later, at the, towards the end, so you have a chance to turn off, we'll be talking about the Batman in a bit more detail where we'll probably let the odd spoiler slip. Yes, yeah. So we're going to review the Batman with a load of other movies. Then for anyone that sticks around, we'll do a bit of a spoiler towards the end. If this is your first time, welcome. We do get around the mics each and every week to produce Sorry You're In My Seat, which is a free podcast that over 180 plus episodes on all sorts of uh, themes from actors, directors, specials. Um, sometimes we take on a genre, sometimes we take on a new release and do a play-by-play. There's, yeah. I was about to say there's no rules to this podcast, but there clearly are. There are definite rules, mate. Yeah. Mm. No and light mayo. No <laughs> light mayo. Don't be late. <laughs> and this is, uh, like I say, our free little part of the internet. If you do like it, don't forget to like and subscribe. Leave us a review. That's the uh, housekeeping over and done with. Let's get on with some movie talk. Yes. Oh, there's so much to talk about. There is so much. Movies this week. So uh, on Now TV Sky Cinema here in the UK, but probably around the world, we've got Old, the M. Night Shyamalan movie. I've seen um, Escape Room 2, Tournament of Champions, Monster oh. Hunter starring Mila Jovovich. Uh, I also watched a bit of Birthday Cake, then switched it off because that film was crap. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> um, and what else have I seen? James, what have you seen? Well, I saw The Desperate Hour with uh, Naomi Watts, The Hurricane Heist, because I went to, I went... Oh my God. Well, when we do, when we said we were going to do Sky, I was like, well, let's look at its original planning as well. And I also went to its smaller screen, did the TV series A Touch of Cloth, the mm. comedy series, because I'm a huge fan of that. And then I went old Henry, mate. And then I've also watched Old, and the film that you forgot to mention, it was Freaky. Freaky. We both saw Freaky. The, cool. Uh, so those were the new releases that have just come out on like the so Friday night, stuff. Saturday night, yeah. And obviously, The Batman, mate. Mm. So let's start with The Batman, because Ooh. it's in the news at the moment, and then we will end with The Batman, where we talk about a few spoilers. Um, so let, I'll set it up, then we'll talk about it, because I imagine yeah. there's loads of stuff to talk about with The Batman from 2022. Also, right off the bat... Mm. This movie was held up through, obviously, COVID reshoots and those yeah. production issues. Massive production issues, because this is the film that Ben Affleck had signed on to do, and then they ended up oh. rewriting the story because it was, you know, they were taking it out of, like, the big DEUC, whatever that's called. So, DCEU, yeah. yeah so it's a massive rewrites. And- well, it's completely rewritten, was yeah. it? So the original Ben Affleck script they were looking at was all going to be in Arkham Asylum. It was going to be Batman versus uh, Deathstroke. Um, and yeah, they kind of shit canned it. I think reading an interview with Matt Reeves, the director of the Batman, did say he liked the script, had some good elements to it, but he thought that if he was going to come on board, he was just going to start and have his own vision and see that through. You cannot tell, right off the bat, first compliment of this movie, you cannot tell this film was shot during a pandemic. No. It's seamless. No, you can't. It's, it's Some of the shooting is a testament to what they did with the constrictions of the time. So mm. bear in mind, a film, takes, a film like this takes over a year to make. Yeah, you don't get the feeling that there was a massive pandemic during the time. Probably no. the biggest release as well of 2022. 
Doesn't miss a beat with that production quality. If Matt Reeves' name doesn't ring a bell, it should. Cloverfield, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Mother Android, which I talked about a few weeks ago, which is on Netflix. Film stars Rob Pattinson in the title role as the Batman, but we've also got Zoe Kravitz returning as Catwoman. Yeah. Because she did voice Catwoman in the Lego movie. Oh. Uh, Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. We've got Colin Farrell as, um, as Penguin. Paul Dano as the Riddler. John Turturro yep. as uh, Falcone. As Falcone. Andy Serkis this time as yes. the great Alfred. And then Peter Starsgard. Yeah. Can't remember his name, but he's in it. In it for a biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> this is an action thriller, drama, crime, mystery mash, mashup. A year or two years into fighting Gotham's criminal underworld, a journal-keeping young Batman catches the attention of a sadistic serial killer, the Riddler, who's targeting Gotham's political figures. Leaving personalised messages at, the, at each of the crime scenes, the Batman is pulled into... Um, a case of hidden corruption that links back right the way through to his own family, the Ooh. infamous Waynes. This is The Dark Knight meets Seven meets Zodiac. Oh, nice way to put it. It is though, isn't it? It is definitely, yeah. It's, it's really nice to see Batman. So we would, so last week, I'm not going to keep plugging last week, but last week we were talking about, he's the world's greatest detective. Let's see some examples of that. And do you know what? We, we actually saw a bit of detective work. I know. The missing link in the Nolan one is the detective work. It's because, so shit. Because, yeah. when, because when he does the detective work, you're like, really? Yeah. That, you know, but certainly in this one, it is, first and foremost, it is a detective um, story. It is about filling in the, the gaps in a puzzle to get to your to your own man. And I, it's a three-hour runtime, we've got to oh, say as well. So long. This is part one of three Robert Pattinson New Earth Batman, mm. Batman, Batman, Batman's, Batman's, yeah, Batman's, um, and it is a neo noir detective driven um, crime thriller. I, 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 right. First off, this is a character that's going to get reincarnated, rehashed, redone yeah. every couple of years. We will get another Batman before Bond. It's yeah. just because it sells. It puts people in in cinemas, and there's endless amounts of source material to go from for inspiration. As we keep saying, Batman has the best villains, so you're always going to get a great uh, squaring off yeah. of, of 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 characters. And never before seen ones that you've never seen on the big screen because there's the so obviously reading up on what he wants to do in the future. He's talking about like the Court of Owls, which is a big comic book like rejuvenated interest in modern day comic books for Batman. Calendar Man, I saw the name Calendar Man. You know how excited am I? I am about seeing a Calendar Man, especially because of. Because as well as audiences, we've had experiences of Arkham Knight. So we've actually seen these baddies, if you will, in a game format. And they seem interesting, seem different, seem adult, seem unique. I want to stick them on the big screen now and watch them interact. I want this. Mm. He's saying all the right things, mate. But did he do the right thing? I I think yes. Yeah, I knew you. I, I was watching this film mm. and I knew you was going to love it. I, I actually really, really did like it. Yeah. Now, I think everyone has their own Batman. 89 is for me. I think mm. it's your first Batman, and which I feel really bad if Clooney was your first Batman. Yeah, well, yeah. Because them, them nipples could take a kid's eye out, James. <laughs> <laughs> you, know you see, it comes back to this debate. I think it's the card, mate. When he pulls out that card, I lost interest. I was like, I was destroyed. Yeah, oh no, I lost interest a lot. Of, uh, uh, <laughs> lost interest pretty early yeah. on, to be fair. But like my first Batman was 89, you know, and, and it's iconic. I love the the gothicness. Now this matches the gothicness, you know, I, not as much as Tim Burton because I mean, Tim Burton goes there, you know? Yeah. But there's, this there's is no like freak carnival. No, <laughs> so. but, but this is, you know, it's, it's rainy Gotham. It's a Batman that, it's a, sorry, it's a Bruce Wayne Batman dynamic where for the first time, Dude wants to be Batman, does not want to be Bruce Wayne. There's a lot of Batman in this. The, the ratio but is he, more Batman. But he actually doesn't want to be Bruce Wayne, which yeah. is a really interesting dynamic to the character. So in the previous incarnations, particularly Nolan, he wants to hang up the cowl. 
He wants Gotham to be ridden of crime so he can, so he can know, retire. settle down and find love. This and- is like, I do not want to be the rich billionaire. I hate that lifestyle. It's that Kurt Cobain inspiration that we heard that he'd taken for the role where he want, you know, he, he doesn't want the fame, the fortune, the cameras and that lifestyle. And there are scenes in there where dude's like, oh, you know, I want to go back out there. You know, his journal is like all about him becoming obsessed and nocturnal and just needing to, you know, be... The person that the the villains uh, you know were fear and this is, that was brave. This is our parts going back to his roots and becoming a vampire again. <laughs> he's more. I tell you what, he's more of a vampire in this than he is ever in Twilight. Too fair, he doesn't sparkle. <laughs> um, so I like that take on it. I think mean, the the overall the overarching storyline I think is really interesting. I mate, there's two things I fucking love: comic mm. book movies and detective like crime thrillers. It is really weird that we've never had this before. So we live in a world and the one thing you shouldn't do is you shouldn't compare this to Nolan, you shouldn't compare this to the MCU. So settle down once I compare this to the MCU. And what I mean is how they tell a story. This story, weirdly, and the art style and the way it's told and actually the premise as well of a, it's, it's a murder mystery who done it. But we know who's done it. How do you get there? How do you connect these dots? How does it go? And it's, its opening shot is iconic in a different way as you compare it to any other film. It's brutal. Mm. It's, it's a really, it opens your eyes and you're like, wow, we're here. But I'm going to say now that I think the storytelling was next level. Mm. It, it, brought, it brought me into a story that I love Batman. And I hate the hold he's got on me. I love a Batman, mate. I've got Batman fatigue, got superhero fatigue. But I went to that midnight launch, mate, and I sat there for three hours. And, I, and I'll be honest, I was engrossed. I really, that storytelling, mm. that world building. It's a good Gotham. It's such a good Gotham. Different. And now if you look at the like the premise of Gotham itself, so Tim Burton did a really good pl- job of like, Gotham was like, you could see it. It was like this 50s noir type. Like, when was it set? Yeah. No one knows. Steam from every steam. drink. yeah, exactly. Like, you bought an ice cream, mate, but it was actually steam in a cone. <laughs> um, you know, and then, and then Schumacher did whatever he did. I still don't understand how you get into that museum because it sounds like you have to climb up a man. It's terrible. <laughs> it is it? terrible. Well, Christopher Nolan, you know, he did a lot of things right, but the one thing he did was he said in, in Chicago and after that first film, we kind of, we were done with like Gotham. You know, it was good mm. to look in the background and it looked like an actual city. Gotham's a character again. One of the opening scenes when you see like the Gotham's version of uh, the New York center, you know, Times Square. Mm. It's so like bright, bright with this fucking moss of rain and tomfoolery of just like shadows everywhere. It looked beautiful. It looked gorgeous mm. as a shitter. And, well, it, has, it, it felt very on the nose of Joker as well. So there's a yes. there's a key scene towards the beginning of the movie with a, a, a kind of Metro Link train that is just inch covered in graffiti that you like. And there was a part of me where I was like, oh, this this is in the Joker's world then, right? Because yeah. that, that looks eerily similar to where the Joker kind of, I suppose you could say where the Joker was born in that movie. Um, and this film kind of starts there. So I was like, oh, interesting parallels we're getting very early mm. on in this movie. Dude, mate, honestly, the the... For me to get into this, and we said this with the Nolan ones, and with all the Batmans, the key is is that you've got to believe that there's a reason why a man is dressed like he is doing yeah. what he's doing. Mm. There's a there's an opening narrative to this film, voiceover again. Not didn't expect that. Did always, not expect a voiceover. You see, that's where you're gonna lose some people. You're gonna, you but, lost but me for it, a bit. Like I mean, if it was, I mean, it is Batman. We'll say that because the film is about him. But if it was Gordon, you can understand it. And it's a crime. It's a crime drama, so that that kind of nods to the New York, New York kind of crime thing no, as well. I, yeah, no, it's, I get the, it. it's Chinatown. Yeah, this movie's very Chinatowny, and um, the, the, but do you know what? I was I was watching it, and and the, this Batman, this isn't a spoiler, but I will say this: this Batman doesn't come down with like smoke and gadgets and gizmos. 
you hear him coming yep. and people are shitting themselves when he's on his way. He's literally, he just walks most places. Mate, I, mean, I was mate, like, yes. Mate, the step team must get in, mate. <laughs> I was like, this is cool. You know, and um, so let's let's go through. So it's, I, I, this gets a big thumbs up for me, this movie. If you weren't already thinking about going and watch it, it's worth the three hours. I think everyone performs really well. I've got some bullet points, which I think aren't spoilers, but they kind of cover the bases yeah. that we need to know. So first off, we've already talked about screenplay, very strong. It's a good story. It's a great story. It's, bearing in mind that it's it's so different for a superhero film. Like, if Batman wasn't in it, it would make a really good story about a vigilante PI. Mm. There's a really good storyline in there where you're just thinking, oh my God, this is actually... It's not, it's not cartoonish. It's weirdly some of the most realistic, mm. cartoony things you'll ever see. It was... I've got me blown away by the script and the storyline. Yeah. Uh, the storyline. Storyline, sorry. Uh, three hour pace, it didn't bother me at all. I didn't think it was three hours. No. The, the only bit, there's a lag, is when you get into the second and third arc where there's a tiny shift. But do you know what? That's just me because I, I need to pee at the time. So it was a natural break for me. <laughs> so when yeah. I came back, when I came back, something different was happening on the screen. So. I, I didn't I didn't find uh, the, the transitioning. I thought, the, I think the first two acts are solid. The third act takes you somewhere you don't think it's going to go and it pays off massively for me. I thought mm. the third act was really, really good. The villain. So Paul Dano is, is I mean... I love this guy. I think every everything I've seen him in, you know, I think Paul Dano from Okra to bloody Little Miss Sunshine, you know, doesn't matter what Paul Dano's in, I, I think he's phenomenal. And he is great in this film as as the the main villain, the Riddler. I would say when you're talking about villains, I'm going to say it now, and I don't give this one up easy, mate. Stratosphere of possibly Heath Ledger as the Joker. It's like he's that strong a villain, mm. especially in, um, I can't think of a villain in recent times that has done such a good job. And do you know what? So you said last week, there's a perfect balance of the Joker in Dark Knight. Like if he's not, he's, he's not, he's in the perfect amount that you want more, but you don't get, you don't like, you, you don't get too much him. that you, you get bored of it. Yeah. Too, too much. I actually think they got it wrong because I'm after, well, I know they got it right because I'm after that. I wanted more Dano, mate. Yeah. If that was a meal, I wanted more Dano. <laughs> I wanted more, I wanted more Dano to be fair. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I like what they've done with it. They modernized that character. So they're taken away from the spandex, the, um, you know, the, the Jim Carrey. Randomly getting his ideas. Yeah. <laughs> Mid nineties dude. And, and they've modernized it. This guy is a, you know, loner internet warrior who's on some dangerous websites mm-hmm. and they really bring him up to speed to a, to a movie that should be in 2022. Yeah. I think he's brilliant. I think Colin Farrell, and I've always I've always towed the line with Mate. Colin Farrell. I tell you what, yeah, hats off. I think that's a great performance from Colin Farrell. He's such a good performance that I don't know about you, but I I was I know I knew he was playing the Penguin, and I knew who the Penguin was, but I was trying to find Colin Farrell in there. I was like listening to his voice, staring at his eyes. I was like, is there any aspect of Colin Farrell I can actually recognize? I couldn't, mate. No. He would completely I mean, There's a lot of De Niro I noticed in there. Yeah. There's a lot of, and there's a lot of Godfather that I noticed in there, but that's good. Like I really liked. I think, I think he's one of the standouts because Paul Dano, you expect, mate, you knew, you knew what you were going to get. Our Pats has shown it with his movie choice lately. You know, he came out of being a teenage heartthrob, but then he made some, he made some like, at the time you'd say risky choices with mm. his career, the lighthouse, you know. He made Good some, times, you know. Yeah, so they, they, he took some chances with his career and they've paid off, so you know what you're going to get. But I think Colin Farrell was the enigma. He was like, well, what's he going to bring? And mate, biggest surprise, because he was fucking phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, and he's in some of the best scenes in it. Um, Alfred, so let's go with um, Andy Circus. If I had one small criticism, mm. and it's just because I'm a slut for circus, yeah. not enough Andy Circus. There's not enough. It's a fact. But 
That being said, let's say, I don't know how many scenes he's in, but let's say five, he's in five scenes. I think he's fine, but they are all One of them scenes. is one of the best scenes in the movie. It, and he he creates a, an emotional anchor in this film. Yeah. That we've seen that relationship between, you know, Master Bruce and, and you know, the, the loyal butler that feels that he let the parents down and it was on his watch. Mm. You know, we've we've had that in every carnation from Michael Go. Well, maybe not Michael Go. He was just a butler. <laughs> but, but Michael Gaines is the most perfect. We were talking last Michael week. Like, Kane, he literally yeah. gives a speech about how he failed. <laughs> yeah, but you know, and Sean Pert, we all the all the incarnations I think are great. But Circus does bring something again. Hoping he's sticking around for the trilogy because I want more, more, circus. Um, more, more Circus. Um, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. Uh, well, I, we were talking about Anne Hathaway being maybe the best performance of Cameron. Zoe Kravitz. Well, actually, Mike and Michelle Farmer. This is free Michelle for free, mate. Yeah, free, free for free. free. Uh, Catwoman's Cat have been... Have free for four. Halle Berry. Free for free, James. <laughs> we don't talk about that one. <laughs> we don't talk about that one. I don't think we've even seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I have, James. <laughs> Just wish you hadn't. I wish I hadn't. Um, no, I, I think for me, yeah, Anne Hathaway's great. What she did with her role, stick by that. I think she fits into the Nolan world brilliantly. Michelle Pfeiffer, great. And against Michael Keaton, great chemistry. Mm. This, um, I thought she was great in it. So I, it's brilliant. I think also, it, you know, you're pushing your luck in a movie where you've got, Riddler's okay because you can, you know, that's as as long as film and, you know, no, no novels have been around, you know, the, the, the serial killer leaving clues is fine. You can call that person the Riddler. It's, you yeah. get away with it. But a Catwoman character and a Batman character and getting them away in a movie that isn't a Tim Burton kind of gothic fairy tale, it, it's hard. And I think, again, they pulled it off. I was like, I, yeah, I believe it. I believe that she's good at gymnastics and she does all that shit, you know? Because yep. again, it feels like it's, um, it feels like it's a modern version of the telling of that character. Cat burglar is about it, really. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Wayne Manor, different again. Wayne Manor, completely different. Mm. Something is it's so we were talking about the aesthetics. It looks like it's from the tenth century. It's so weird. It looks like a giant Avery. <laughs> Just it is odd, isn't it? But I do like that idea because it implies that this took in the past. You know, there, there's everything. You know, is implied that he could. You know, he, Bruce Wayne. He could, if he wanted mm. to, get a modern house, but he chooses to stay in his house. There's this mausoleum, like a tomb of the Wayne family. Yeah, it's, and it adds to that aesthetic of you know vampirism. Mm. But it also gives you the Jekyll and Hyde feel, or or you could say, uh, you, you know, Hunchback of Notre Dame feel. You know, this because <laughs> when you see him walking around the halls, he's broken. You know, he's he's recovering from the night of crime fighting, and you know, it's really good. I, it, a lot of um, behind the scenes kind of bits as well. There's the there's the Shakespearean head. Did you see that? Which yeah. is the common like Adam West get to the Batcave kind of stuff. So those was like around in the background as well. Um, I really I thought that was awesome. Um, the Batmobile. I love the fact that it looks as it. So if you look at the history of the Batmobile, it's always like this really you know, like cool car, let's be honest, that a lot of love has gone into. And then Bales was kind of like, it was a military vehicle repurposed. What I loved about this Batmobile is it looks like it was put together by a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> and it looks, it looks like it could explode at any minute. It doesn't look like someone with a mechanic degree as mm. I look at it. It looks like someone, looks like someone's put it together in their basement, mate. And, and at some moment it will just randomly explode. Yeah, it is. And what I really like about it in this one as well is whereas, you know, like Bale had a, basically a, a military tank. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I suppose the other Batman uh, characters had their kind of a more iconic ones. This this very much is an animal. Yeah. And and what and, it, and the way it's introduced is very animal-like. It gives chase. It can, and it gives them a head start as if say, like, I'm going to enjoy this. And there is a real chaotic car chase sequence in the middle of this film, which I loved. I know some people will come out of the cinema saying like, 
it's blurry. You couldn't tell who, who was who and where yeah, were where. I think that's the point, isn't it? It's, that, it's, not, it's not crisp. It's it's like claustrophobic. Like the cameras are short. Like they're mm. kind of squeezed up against the And there's the loads glass. of rain. And sometimes you only see the Batmobile through the rear view mirror. Which you is know. cool. I love all that stuff. I love the idea that you are being hunted by the, the Batmobile. Like, like it's fucking, it's killer. That scene, I, I like, I don't know why people were moaning about it. I, I thought that was one of the best car sequences I've seen in ages. Is that what people are moaning about? I think some people have been, yeah. Uh, I, it's, I, it's quite blurry and rainy. And, and Well, the whole film lacks establishing shots. There's really not that many establishing shots because the idea is that you're close quarters because this Batman, this Batman's brutal. Like you say, he walks into fights. There's no theatrics. He literally just walks up to people and is like, let's have a fight then, mm. you know. You know, walks up. My favorite thing is he just walks up to a bar, mate. You know, he just he opened, he knocks on the door, and everything was like, "Oh, it's Batman." Yeah. <laughs> doesn't smash through the windows, mate. Doesn't, no. doesn't come up through the floors. Just knocks on that door, polite. But I like it because he goes, he goes to that door three times, three different ways. Yeah, and he gets in every time. You're like, oh Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, Batmobile. I thought was was killer. I thought it was really good. And then, of course, obviously the man himself, Batman. I, I really like what Rob Pattinson's done with this. I like what Matt Reeves has created with his character. You know, I like the I like the broody, dark, you know, uh, emo. I know they're called inversion of this character. I think but it works. You go into a movie called The Batman. I want to see Batman. I'm not really that bothered by Bruce Wayne. You mm. know, um, the fighting, all that kind of stuff's really cool in it. There is something as well about when he's processing crime scenes, which I love this, and it's particularly in the first section of the movie. Yes, you see a lot of. Um, reactions from policemen that so the thing with Batman is again half the force think he's a menace and that he should be arrested and he's a vigilante others believe in him see that he's trying to do the right thing and there's this scene that's overcrowded with policemen at a crime scene and he when he's he's just stood there in this like really you know intimidating presence not saying anything and he, and you can see the other policemen are like nervous they don't know what to say they don't know what, you know what to do around and that to me I was like oh this is cool He's just processing, isn't he? He's just stood yeah. there, just listening to everything, absorbing everything in, just that, looking. That, and there's a, there's a, there's a, it's no spoiler. There's a cop in this who, who, who gets the line. So, you know, because okay, you need a cop to run in every now and again and be like, hey, you shouldn't be here. And so mm. like, there's someone like that throughout this whole movie. I was like, dude, I want to see a movie which is centered around that guy, you know, a, a real indie movie where he has to go to crime scenes, shitting himself because Batman's going to be present. And Batman's always in the background, just processing. <laughs> and, he, and it's in his head, like, oh my God, like, you know. <laughs> He, you know, he eats his victims because all them rumours and all that kind of, you know, stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was really, really good. There's a few kind of things I've, I, I could nickel, like, could niggle me about it if mm. I really, really wanted to, but I don't want to. I just thought it was a good movie. It was, it was a very good movie. I'm going to, I'm going to grade you good to very good. Mm. The problem is, is it's maybe watching the trilogy before because in my head I was comparing everything and that was a mistake because you shouldn't do it. It's a different franchise. Did love the fact, mate, that I didn't have to watch 80 other films to watch mm. this. Love the fact that there's a story that's beautifully told. Voiceovers aren't for me, especially in this setting. But now that you've said it in that light, you know, it's the style of the film. Do you know what? It works on me. And also you've got, well, you'll hear about that mm. point later when we talk about it with, with the training wheels off a bit more. But no, I had a thoroughly good thing. And the one thing, mate, I'm going to say this. The Batman theme that oh. plods long was fucking phenomenal. I genuinely came out of the cinema at four in the morning. <laughs> Yeah, so singing I, it. I better say this. Yeah, so that the it has an outstanding score, and it's by Michael Giacchino, and it is brilliant. There are twinkling pianos when Catwoman comes on scene. Mm. You know, just just subtly showing you it's there. Batman, his main theme, just like this kind he's of like, awesome. It's kind of like oh, you you know we were talking last week. It's like the fog on. This one's like this recurring like siren, but it's not. It's just like this repetitive noise, mm. which in your head gets like. Quicker and quicker as he become as he gets closer and closer to the screen because the one of the best shots is brilliant is um 
it's from the trailers, and I suppose when Batman's walking to the car, it's upside down. You see him upside down, and the music that plays long is getting like quicker as he's getting closer to the car. And you're like, what's going to happen? Yeah, it's, it's it is better than I had hoped. I and I, they certainly do some, uh, you know, cinema uh, trickery and magic by making Rob Pattinson taller than what he is because he is a real presence, you know. And, mm. and I'm, I think I remember Tom Bar- Tom Hardy saying this about Christian Bale is. It's one thing, Christian Bell was big in them films, but you put the suit on it, it adds so yeah. much. And and I, I certainly think the suit does a lot for Rob Pattinson, but also the way it's filmed, Matt Reeves really cre- creates this idea that he is a, such an imposing um, presence. Either in his footsteps, he's, you know, over, he's kind of above everyone else, um, looks like he's solid. I was just saying the suit's different as well. The suit's more mm. kind of like made, like put together. It's more realistic. Like he's, he's kind of got like these like, Weapons on his arms as well that he doesn't use, but they're more like for padding and stuff yeah. like that. It was it was really good to see. There was there wasn't an aspect there was some aspects I didn't like. But as a puzzle piece, mate, it all came together beautifully to tell you a great story. And you need to have a decent villain and you had you had a celebration of everything I liked about Batman. It was dark, it was broody. I tell you what, there was no there was like no jokes in that film. No. And I quite liked that to be honest. No. Because you wouldn't be t- you wouldn't be wisecracking if all of this was happening. You'd be petrified. Mm. I really did like that. I yeah, it goes that. goes back to the idea that you wouldn't want to live in Gotham, or yeah. you need a certain <laughs> you need a certain way about you to be able to survive in that city. Yeah, you need to be a psychopath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. That's the Batman. If you haven't seen it, go check it out in the cinema. Stick around at the end because we will go into a bit more detail. Um, if you have seen it, but if you haven't, there, there's that. James, you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? What um, do you want to do? Do you want to do you want to go first because you've got more than me? Okay. But but I have seen some of yours, so there you go. If you want to go, we start with Freaky then. Let's start with the Freaky. Freaky. So this was the first movie that I saw when I loaded up Sky Cinema this week, thinking, oh, you know, a lot of people said that this was good when it came out. It's kind of off the back of movies like Happy Death Day, which is kind of, yeah, same director, which have found an audience, you know, and there are these uh, 15 movies that have started coming out that, you know, like The Hunt and um, Ready or Not and those kind of movies and even the Jordan Peele stuff, um, you know, like Get Out and... um, and us. So it's kind of, for me, it's like, oh, I, I imagine it's in that caliber, that vein. Well, it's, it's, it's moved on as well. The slasher is no longer just a mm. supernatural killer. Now the supernatural elements are now transferred to other things. So mm. that's, so freaky. What, what you got for us? Mike? Stars Vince Vaughn and it's also Catherine Newton in it. It's directed by Christopher Landon. Yep. Happy Death Day. The movie came out in 2020. It is a body swap horror slasher in which a 17 year old who's barely surviving high school swaps bodies with a town killer, the butcher. To make things worse, she has 24 hours to reverse the curse or the switch will become permanent. James, what did you think of Scream? It's Halloween this Friday the 13th in Jennifer's body. I didn't like it. Do you not? No. I did. Do you know what I'm from with? I really liked Happy Death Day. The sequel I didn't particularly like. But it takes the groundhog formula and adds an element to it, which I never really, or it probably has been done before, I've never noticed, the serial killer element. And so this this woman in Happy Death Day keeps getting killed again and again. You know, and it's her natural progression of the diff- every day she dies differently. It's not so, boss day, mate. It's, it's not boss level, sorry. It's, it's, so, so this, so this, take a trope, body swap. You know, we all remember 30, I don't know, Freaky Friday, that's what I was going for. Mm. You remember these. It did, I, I like Vince Vaughn. Doesn't play... A convincing teenage girl. <laughs> he really doesn't make <laughs> right when you go when you're six and you go to drama class. They go be a six, be a sixteen year old. God, that's what you do. I don't know. It's hard because Vince Ford's <laughs> never been a teenage that we know of. Kid, that we know of. But to me, no, it was 
It's over the top. It's goofy. There's the element of, I did quite like it because it was a bit different. It wasn't afraid to take the piss. But no, not for me. It made me want to watch Happy Death, though. Yeah. The film I, I much more enjoyed. I'm kind of in the middle like, with this one. Like, I didn't, I, for me, a horror comedy, which is what it sets out to be, is, is really hard. Like, comedy and horror alone are hard genres to master yes. because you have to fit into someone's box in terms of what comedy is. And yeah. you have to fit in someone's box with what's scary. And so trying to mash those two genres up is a really hard task. And this one is not funny enough or not scary enough to really be either of those. So it becomes a, oh, okay, kind of movie all the way through. You usually have to sacrifice one of those elements, don't you? So I think the only film that's ever really worked was Slither with, you know, should have been Nathan Drake. Oh, yeah, Nathan uh, Fillion. Nathan Fillion. Um, when they they do sacrifice the horror element mm. to get you more comedy. But um, but that film is the only, like one of the very few successful things you can say, the comedy and the horror actually worked. I love Slither. So that's what I wanted. I just found, just found the writing was a bit stupid. There's a scene that I really particularly didn't like is when Vince Vaughn has to convince people that he's her and, and he does the routine. And I'm just thinking, but anyone could do, surely there's a backup. <laughs> surely you can learn this routine. That's not valid. Mate, if you came to me in Vince Vaughn's body, I wouldn't... And then you did our secret handshake. That maybe doesn't make sense because only you and I would know the secret handshake. How did I not Vince Vaughn? Oh, my God. Why did you start on this? <laughs> I know what you mean. I, I think... Um, I think Vince Vaughn had fun. I think he he dialed into that inner seventeen year old yeah. girl that he didn't know he had, and, <laughs> and went for it before he could. I certainly I certainly felt that he was going for it. He knew the movie he was going for more than Catherine Newton did when she was then trying to channel a serial killer. Yes, because that's where it got really really odd. So the the scenes. <laughs> And it's supposed to be. It seems when them two square off and you've got Vince Vaughn as, you know. Yeah. It just made me, it just, I was all over the place with like remembering like Jamie Lee Curtis movies with these kind of body swap feelings, even mm. the bloody. Um, with, I would never forgive that when Lindsay Lohan has to give like her a speech about not staying out late. And I'd remember seeing a film and visibly watching my skin crawl. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. And. And it, I, for some reason, I was thinking about movies like Face Off. <laughs> it's like, and, and so I was watching, and there are moments of it I did like. There are. The first like 10 minutes, it really does nod to like every horror every movie you see. Yeah. And it kind of kills off every trope you see. So it's like, it opens up, it's like Friday the 13th. And then, um, you know, Vince Vaughn's going around in a mask that's very similar to Jason, mm. you know, and, and Vince Vaughn is a tall dude, you know, and he's walking around slashing kids and there's kids having sex and they go and it's got all the bits where you're like... They literally start around a campfire talking about him. Yeah, <laughs> so. it, it, it really does this thing of going like, here's all them tropes, boom, but you haven't seen this before. And then it shows you, and then I was like, yeah, but I don't know if I wanted to see this. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what, there was a moment in it where I genuinely, my mind nearly exploded, mate, and I think you'll get me. Um, so Vince Vaughn, is now the girl, Kessie, mm. uh, I think her name is, Kessie. Anyway, it doesn't matter. And he's just, he's on the school grounds and he's been caught and he comes face to face with her in her body. Uh, sorry, him in her body. And then there's a moment where it looks like they're going to square off, but instead the serial killer in the girl's body screams, help. And in that moment, that actress was portraying Vince Vaughn pretending to be, <laughs> pretending to be a scared girl. And I was just like, there's like three less of acting going on here. <laughs> it's Inception. And it, and it was still terrible. <laughs> So yeah, and there is, and and also there is all right. So this is this is going to sound dodgy, but there's also a lot of like she goes, she has a shower at one point. She's like, oh, I've got a penis, and I and it's like, really, we're there, we're we're at this, we're at this point of the movie. Are we? She, I'll be honest, she takes it quite well to begin with. You know, she freaks out a little bit, but then doesn't seem to let that care. 
greatest police force in the world, though, because because she makes no attempt to hide herself, and Vince Vaughn's face is everywhere. Police never come near her. Mm. Just, but what I do like about it as well, you know, you've got this ancient dagger, this ancient, you know, magical dagger that's caused all this. Very easy to research on the internet, mate. Makes you think maybe someone should have researched it before they just left it laying around. <laughs> just, it was, that was a bit dumb, wasn't it? Yeah, all that dagger shit is just, uh, it's just laughable, isn't it? And then when you get yourself in a moment, what if you were accidentally cleaning it and you cut yourself? Who would you transfer it with? Would you, how does that work? Eh? Hey? Hey? Yeah. yeah. I went into this film a lot deeper than I thought I would. I think the, the I will say that the, 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 the best friend element to it, so the, the two best friends in it, Celeste uh, O'Connor and Misha. Oshevich, I think their names are. They they added like the they added actually strangely more comic mm. relief than Vince Vaughn did, who I suppose is the veteran comedic actor with yeah. this. Uh, freaky. It was all right. It, it was all right. right. If, if, if I'd ordered a pizza and had a couple of friends around, I probably would have laughed. There were, do you know what? There was a couple of gore scenes in it, which I think you probably don't think you're going to see what you see. And it did remind me of the movies that I grew up watching, like Urban Legend and stuff like that, where you know, and scream where, you know, they're going to go out one by one, certain people. And you know, there's the final destination, you know, where you get them ridiculous deaths, like someone getting frozen, you know, and then, the and, then the body, and then the body shatters, you know, and, and <sighs> people being splitting off with wood saws and bits and pieces. So it has like enough of that stuff that makes it kind of a, a mashup of movies that I grew up on. Where, and that was worth the ride more than the actual concept of what the film was about. Do you know what we say every week, or you're a big fan of this, you want to see someone try something different. And do you know what? I like that they saw they had success with Happy Death Day and they tried to do it again. Do you know what? Fair play. You tried something different. It wasn't a bad film. It just... Just those moments where, where I'm fully aware Vince Vaughn isn't a teenage girl. <laughs> so, so um, hit me with another film. Right, I'm, I'm going to go with one of what I think was a great viewing experience this week. Set, settle down, mate. 95 minutes. That's what got me. That's oh. what drew me in. And weirdly, when we talk about it, you know where I'm going. I'm going old Henry, mate. So, Do you know what? When I saw this, I thought... You're so going for this I'm movie. So, of course I was going to, mate. It has. Basically, he's got a beautiful Tim Blake Nelson. Mm. Mudded down, mate. <laughs> Mudded down. Is, is, he, is he leading man, James? He is a leading man. Mm. And he is a leading man. He, right? yeah. I'm just saying here, Old Andy, 2021, directed by Potsy Pond Carrillo. I'm sorry if I've butchered that name. Starring Tim Blake Nelson. Mate, you're never going to believe this. Mm. Stephen Dorff. No. Stephen Dorff. And I'm going to say this now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you now. Stephen Dorff. Second best thing in this movie. <laughs> um, Henry is a widower working on a struggling farm during the wild, wild west while also trying to raise his son, Wyatt. That's such a wild, wild west name. Yeah, if you it? could have a, a cowboy or, or kind of, yeah, Wyatt. Wyatt. Um, a young man. Emmett. Ooh, that's that. It's those kind of names, isn't it? Um, he's also trying to raise his son, Wyatt. A young man who has begun to hate his father and yearns for a life outside the farm. So Henry is... Straight, always telling Wyatt wants to, but Wyatt's in those informative teenage years. So imagine in the Wild Wild West, he was like a 30-year-old <laughs> equivalent now. He's desperate to get off the farm. Um, one day, a bloodied horse wanders into the farm and Henry tracks to where it's come from and discovers a shot man covered in blood and a giant pile of money. No. Really good scene here where he, he basically goes through the philosophical debate of, do I want to be in no country for old man? <laughs> <laughs> Shall I leave the money and this man? I've seen that film. <laughs> so I've seen that. I don't want him coming for me. So what he does was, he's always going to save the man. That's what I love about my Henry, mate. He's, he's, he's got a code. Mm. And then he ums and ahs about the money. It's to the point, it's a really good thing where he actually gets on the horse and Santa's away. And, I, and as an audience, I'm saying, oh, he's going to leave the money. I wonder what the actual storyline's going to be. But no, temptation, mate. Can't say no to that dollar dollar. 
Or maybe he can. But anyway, he takes that dollar dollar with him. He ties the man up and learns that this gentleman is called Curry. So he turns to his wounds and Curry tells him that he's a sheriff from another state hunting some baddies. And he's reclaimed the money. Some bandits. Some bandits. He's reclaimed the money and he's on his way back. But it's a different state. So Henry doesn't know him. He's not his local sheriff. His local sheriff is three days away. Fucking speakers just fell off the table. You're going to edit it out? No. No. All right, cool. We will keep going, James. It's the way God wanted us to do it. Right. Anyway. <laughs> did Just tell me. Yeah. Did you, Do you find out where the money came from? Did it come from a stolen robbery from a train? Poss- no, possibly. Hey, no, sorry. So where we're going now is so a day later, three other men show up claiming to be sheriffs. They are after a man called Curry who robbed a bank while Curry claims that they are the robbers. So they're each calling each other the robber. Here's where Stephen Dorff comes in, mate. And he is, next up, he's one of these three men. He's taken lessons from Gene Hackman from Unforgiven. He's Ooh. over the top. He's aggressive. But he does that really cool thing where, you know, you like your villain to have something random, spontaneous happen there. It's completely out of context. When he's just talking to um, Henry, pulls out a bit of wood, mate, and starts carving a bird. <laughs> Just whilst he's giving like a soliloquy about how he's like a really bad man. It's, it's just weird. And then just whittling. I'm just saying, by the end of that film, he's whittled, mate. <laughs> um, battle lines are drawn and Wyatt finds himself caught in the middle. But his farmer father might not be who he has been portraying. Who is anyone in this movie? Exactly. That's the point. It's, it's, about, it's about reputations and living rough and... What makes a man? It's a really good film. Do you know what old Henry make for 95 minutes tells a great story? It's well paced. I'm going to put it up there. There are parts of, what was that film that I said was going to win the Oscar? It was a Western. Power of the Dog. Power of the Dog. I would actually, I kind of preferred old Henry. I thought it was better. It's shorter. All right, Tolls, Sam Elliott. Tolls a really good story. Have you heard about this Sam Elliott coming out saying that Power of the Dog isn't a Western? Why not? He's kind of got on the record. He's like, what, why? Is oh, is that- it because he's got moustache, he's the authority. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, he's got moustache, but I listen to him. Well, I mean, Sam Elliott is, the, is, a, is a veteran Western actor. I mean, but, he was in Tombstone, for God's sakes. But, yeah, that's, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good point, actually, didn't think about that. Yeah. The guy in Tombstone, not the main guy as well. <laughs> <laughs> he also has a moustache. <laughs> I'm just saying that Old Henry Mate was fantastic to watch. It was a really good um Tim Blake Nelson was fucking phenomenal, but I knew he was going to be phenomenal. Think of the polar opposite of uh, Buster Scrubs, mm. you know, Buster Scrubs. And the reason he heard about this story was that he'd learned all these gun tricks for Buster Scrubs. And he was like, well, I don't want this to be wasted time. And went out looking for a Western. This is an indie film with no big financial backing. Place to its strengths, mate. So the worn down, it, there's no production value. It's, it's a shithole, mm. but it's supposed to be shithole. Plays to it, it's the strengths. The setting, the storytelling is raw. Makes you think that the Western isn't a dead genre. There's there's stories you can tell. Don't get me wrong. The story isn't pulling up daisies. It's not something extravagant, something new. But it's a really good story. And at the anchor, you've got a performance from Tim Blake Nelson that is beautiful, great. You're on his side. A man, a man trying to survive in a world, past decisions, maybe coming back to haunt him in some way. And Stephen Dorff, mate. Stephen Dorff's got it. And mm-hmm. I notoriously take the piss out of him for being in Blade and nothing else. And then he appeared in True Detective Series 3. Yeah. And again, he's great in that. He's got it. He was in a Britney Spears video. Why? I don't know what point you're making. <laughs> Are you for this or against this? But I'm just saying, it was absolutely fantastic. Great thing. The Western, mate, is back. I love a Western again. I always mm. did, to be fair. But it, the, the Western's a weird genre, isn't it? Because it, it, it goes away 
And it influences no end. You know, mm. you, it's clearly in The Mandalorian and modern TV shows all the time. That whole, you know, man in dark coming to the town is yeah. right out of the Western storyline. I don't know what it is about the Western that doesn't, it, well, it's not a permanent fixture within cinema kind of listings. Like every year there's a big Western because mm. people love it, you know. Yeah. I, I, do you know what? It's Oscar gold now. It's like, it's like there's only one Western movie that comes out, but it's always up for an Oscar. Mm. In, I can only give one example. <laughs> Power of the Dog, but apparently it's not Western because a man with a mustache. Yeah, I, I do. I do like. I do like a Western movie. I won't watch them all the time, but certainly I would like. My quota is like one a year. I make that old Henry. Okay, I would check it out. I was going to watch it, but then I knew you would, so I thought yeah, I'll yeah. just wait to see what you said because you come back saying it's crap. Yeah, what's the like point? Like birthday cake. Yeah, well, spoilers. Did you watch it? It was birthday cake. Yeah. No, because you sent me a text going, I watched like 20 minutes of it and I oh, hated it. man, I fell asleep twice in 20 minutes. <laughs> you, when you get me is after you watch an entire film and you say it's crap, then I'm interested. Then I go, oh, I want to see this level of bollocks. But however, I hit my quota of bollocks quite early this week. <laughs> so I only wanted to watch good films. Is that so that's coming up? Yeah, two of them. Two films? Yes. I was going to say, it's about to go downhill for me as well. <laughs> Did you see Monster Hunter? I didn't see Monster Hunter because... Because uh, <laughs> you could have had free shit films then. <laughs> because, because I saw the trailer. I didn't see the trailer, but the picture. When mm. you go on to... So I've got Sky Go. You've got Now TV, I've got Sky yeah. Go. The picture is this really shitty looking thing and a monster behind it. <laughs> oh. No, I'm only joking. Mina Jokovic is usually okay. Yeah. Except for the Resident Evil films where... But it's not her fault. She grates on me to the point where I just want to see her f- be thrown down a well. <laughs> but this film, mate, from the 30-second snippet, I was like, nah. <laughs> Did you play the games? I I bought a game and never played it. They're so complicated. Yeah, Monster Hunter, it came out in 2020. It's now available on Sky Cinema and RTV. Um, it is the latest Paul W. Anderson um, vendetta to convert <laughs> video games into crap movies. Yes, I'm having more combat in there, James. No, you're not. I am. But the seven Resident Evil films. It stars... Uh, sorry, you're a sad it, man with no soul. <laughs> it's directed by uh, Paul W.S. Yeah, yeah. Anderson, so it stars Mila Jovovich. Of course it does, mate. <laughs> I went to see... I love the fact that she probably wasn't even in the games because that's what he does. <laughs> like, if he was married to her, you know, when he made more combat, he'd be like, oh my God, here's Mila Jovovich. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm doing a classic retelling of Christ. Mila Jovovich is going to play... <laughs> Christ. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, so it's also got Tony Jar and it's got Ron Perlman in it. And Ron Perlman's big job in this film is to take you out of whatever world you're in because every time he's on screen, you're like, no. He's, it's it's like Nick Nolte met Gary Busey. Oh my and, God, that's and, amazing. And sneezed on... Um... <laughs> no, we don't need to know. No, just leave it there. Just leave it there. Yeah, Ron Perlman, he's it, hard. Um, so, hard as nails, military veteran. Uh, sorry, no. Hard as nails military unit alpha team is out looking for Bravo team when they are transported to a new world Jesus inhabited Christ. by supersized monsters. Yes, it's Resident Evil once again, but take away the zombies and this time just add big things. insect things. <laughs> Djokovic plays Natalie Artemis, an army ranger captain stuck with no way home and facing impossible odds when she meets Hunter. Oh, that's good. A local who's a warrior. Um, and a chief arse kicker when it comes to taking on these gigantic beasts. Can Natalie learn the skills and unlock the mystery? Find out in this one hour and 43 minute Who Cares movie, <laughs> which was so boring, I wanted to fall asleep. I actually, I, I couldn't because I was thinking about trying to fall asleep. Well, does she, does she, she make it home? Right. Because why don't some of us, right, so they don't have basic language to go, 
His name's Jim. He's like, no, he's Hunter. Yeah, he's Hunter. <laughs> and my surname is Artemis, which in Greek uh, mythology is Hunter. <sighs> so you've got... So, right, so the oh, movie, the movie, the skin. You can see crawl. <laughs> the movie set uh, and was filmed in Namibia, which is famous for its skeleton coast, which is desert land. Like mm. it, you know, nothing grows like those. The place where Bill Gr- Bear Grylls went on one of his survival shows, and, and after two days, tapped out and was like, "This place is barren." You know? Jesus. So, so they go out that way, and you get that that landscape, this idea that there is nothing for miles around. That's cool. And then when Ron Perlman turns up, you wish there was nothing for miles <laughs> around. <laughs> but up until that point. It's very low budget, you know. It's it's like I said, Milojovic, free free army jeeps with machine guns, and the rest is CGI. Like you know, they really kind of um, they really kind of nailed down the budget of this movie, so they could go all out with these gigantic mm. monstery things. Yeah. I watched the movie, and I don't fully understand. I didn't play the games, but I don't fully understand how they transported. It's kind of like one of those just look of you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Oh, right. When this thing happened, boom, you get sucked through this thing. Their weapons are piss poor against these monsters in the other side of it. And you know, so very quickly, a lot of the team is taken out, leaving just Milojovic and who she, and then she comes across this other dude who's hiding away and he's got this big like Final Fantasy looking sword. And I, and I you really have to, I've, I don't know, but for me, I would have benefited from knowing the game and the source material because... The, it's not a good char- sign, is it? Well, if no. you need to have played the game to understand the film. Yeah, because I suppose in Resident Evil, you get it. Like, zombies, bad guys, shoot them mm. in the head. You know, don't get bit. So we want to get like Mortal Kombat, as I said. You do get the storyline you need to have. It's like, there's a competition. There's a guy mm. with four arms. So it, you do have to do the groundwork. If it doesn't do that, then you are like twice your life. <laughs> yeah, you're, like, you're like, what is going on? Although I do on? want to see Mortal Kombat where they don't address Goro. They're just like, <laughs> you're, you're fighting him. He's got four. Sh- 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 yeah, but I've got two arms. He's got two. Sh- 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 <laughs> you're essentially a boxer and they go, right, you're fighting him. And he goes like, did he just freeze the guy? And you're like, yeah. It's like, well, I've got an all right punch if I'm wearing gloves. <laughs> what you don't know is I actually weight the gloves. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of cheating in Mortal Kombat, yeah, is what you're saying. <laughs> um, they, these, I, you know, the dudes turn up with these swords that when they hit the ground, like stuff happens. There's there's, there's a cat at one point that has a sword. Right. And he's... Caught. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no leave it. There's still going on. There's a pirate ship that's like sailing the sand. And, and there, were, there was moments as well very early on where it's like whatever the monster is, is underneath the sand. And, and I was just like, Tremors was much better than this. Yes. And it's got fucking 20 years, 30 years on this movie. Um, and that was much, and that actually going back to what you were saying earlier about horror comedies, that's a good balance. That's actually a good one, yeah. That's a good balance movie. Um, so Monster Hunter, unfortunately, I, I didn't really know the source material. The monsters look great. You know, they are dragons, insects, they're weird things. Um, you know, like I say, you've got kind of desert pirate ships and this like ragtag Mad Max style group that are going around and hunting these things. But there's there's no emotional anchor for you to kind of get into and be like, fucking hell, I really hope Milojovic gets home, you know, for a nine-year-old's birthday. Because there's nothing like that. It's just like, yeah, I don't belong here. I want to go home. And it, and and the dude who she's paired with doesn't speak English until Ron Perlman shows up, which well, is really good. odd. Well, he's obviously from a former expedition. No, he isn't. Oh, is he part I don't know. He's just there. <laughs> like, he's just going around with his cat with a sword. <laughs> Do you know what the thing is? Because I don't know the games and you don't know the games, this might be the most faithful adaptation ever made. Well, apparently they did get a lot of bad reviews when the film was made because there is one uh, quite stupid joke in it that a lot of people say racist, but and it is, but it also doesn't make sense. So it's not funny as well. Oh, right. It's so really it's offensive odd. and unfunny. So a lot of people that look like Dow to the games was like, how did this film company let this go ahead? I think it's Constantine Films, let this go ahead. You know, like... 
often, you know, we're very kind of protective over our games and, and this has happened. But um, overall, it's just really boring. <laughs> like, it's just nothing really happens in it. Aww. There were these great big sequences of slaying these monsters. And I'm like, you're in their fucking home. <laughs> like, Yeah, who's the villain here? Exactly. Know? I'd be like, Mother Jovich, you just fucking turn on me and start shanking a monster. Like, <laughs> His name's Gary. The- <laughs> <laughs> He's got a kid. <laughs> it's, his ninth, it's his ninth birthday. He's got to get home. You fucking knob. That was way on their side. I mean, like I said, the monsters, they do look cool. And there's a bit at the end, big like dragony style things. And, and luckily, um, Ron Pillman tells you how to kill it before the scene happens. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I wonder how this is going to end. So it's cool that's um Emila Jovic does that thing, doesn't she? Of beautiful dangerous. Mm. It's, it's like her thing, isn't it? It's like you know, she's 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 delicate as a flower, but she shoot you from a mile away. She's like she's got that thing and she nails that. And if you need uh, you know your heroine to be that, Emila Jovic will step up and will fill those shoes. And she does, I mean, you can't deny it. She gives 110% in a lot of her performances. Yeah. Um, she's, you not, know. she's not weak. It was that she was the villain in that the bad hell worry bit, but she was she she tried yeah <laughs> she 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 can't say she didn't try yeah. but he, he, she does give it that all and i imagine it is quite a hard film to make when you know a lot of the things you're fighting are all cgi and, yeah. and whatever so you know for that reason it's okay but the film really doesn't really offer anything other than just some kind of cool special effects and a lot of sand yeah uh, you don't like sand it gets everywhere it's coarse it's dry Monster Hunter. So, mate, we're going down there. So we've gone from the peaks of Batman. We stumbled a little bit with Freaky. You brought us back up with old Henry, but unfortunately, Mon- uh, Monster Hunter is... We're, we're rolling downhill fast. We are rolling downhill. Uh, <clears throat> bit of a tonal shift. Yeah. <laughs> the Desperate Hour 2021, directed by Philip Noyce. I did watch this this week. Did you? Yeah. It's not oh. one of the films I was going to bring to the table, but okay. I did see it. Starring Naomi Watts. Recently widowed Amy is trying to bring some normality back to the lives of a young daughter and a teenage son. Amy is a supermom, able to juggle the pressures of raising two children on her own, be a professional while letting nothing get her down. While out for a run in literally the arsehole of nowhere. It is, isn't it? it but it's not desert. It's, it's not trees. Desert. It's trees, mate. Amy begins organising her day through phone calls, but starts to hear sirens all around her. She discovers that there is an active shooter situation in her, scun- in her son's school. Due to his recent depression, he is a suspect, and it's up to Amy, somehow, to get it sorted. So, I'm going to say this now, it's a bit daring. You know, a film, films very rarely deal with what you call America's shame, that this actually happens, and let's be honest, it happens so frequently now, it's, 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 a, it's a surprise it's not done as often. So I remember there's a there was an episode at the beginning of Sons of Anarchy. I never really I thought Sons of Anarchy was okay. I never really thought it was great. And they deal with this situation. It got a lot of hate because people don't like you know the shame being brought up. So very daring to deal with this. The film centers completely around Naomi Watts, um, and she's done this before. You know when she was in the ring, she's got a child actor with her, but mostly it's her engaging with paranormal things. But mostly it's her on a set with a young actor, and the biggest one, King Kong. So she is. Yeah. So she's obviously this huge CGI monster. It's just her Andy Serkis. So she's acting against nothing. So I'm going to say that if you've got to base a film that's solely around one person, Naomi Watts, she's done this before. She's a great actress. She does a really good job, usually of being on her own. Yep, that was it for positives. Super Karen syndrome. Like this idea that this mum can save the life of everyone from a phone in the middle. I'm just saying if she's, she makes some of the most stupid decisions I've ever seen. But don't worry, no consequences. <laughs> some spoilers, because you really shouldn't watch this film. It's short, which is another positive, to be fair. It's hour 20. You've said it. Yeah. Hour 20. It's not 
not a big investment. It's in not time. a big investment in time, but but she makes decisions where she at one point is talking to the talking to the person that's holding people hostage. Why? Yeah, because she kept ringing her son in an active situation. <laughs> she was like drawing attention to him. You, like she's trying to get an Uber driver to come and find her while she's running out in the forest. It's, but but the impression is that why didn't she just go home? Because it would have been easier to just turn around and run back. But then I was thinking, well, maybe it's because she's running towards something. That makes sense. Well, no, it doesn't because it's dropped the next minute. Um, there's no tension in this in this film. Why am I seeing this? So I think on paper, this was a really good idea. This horrible situation where you see it through a mum's eyes. However, mum is a Karen. <laughs> she gets everything she wants. I imagine it's a Karen's fantasy. It's like, I could save the day from my phone whilst running in the middle of a forest. Mm. It, 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 there's no development for anyone else. Literally, it's, it's, oh, here's Karen. I know her name's not Karen. Her name is Amy, but I'm going to call her Karen because when I was watching it, I was thinking, what an entitled knobhead. You're, that, that's the biggest point of this movie for me is the lack of tension. The, it, given the subject matter, yeah. I was like, oh, this could be, and it's now at 20. I was, straight away, I was thinking, this could be a movie like Phone Booth. You know, it's yeah. like small cast. It's too much tension. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and, tension throughout. And I was really like 20 minutes in, I was like, oh shit, we're running out of time, boys. <laughs> not, not a lot's happened. Um, it might have do you know what up until another film I saw this week it had the dumbest dialogue I've ever seen in a film it was really stupid I think the person who created the thesis is not the person who wrote the dialogue for the film because they're, they're not in sync they're drawing two different films Naomi Watts is okay but the problem is not her fault the problem is the dialogue the plot the, there's not even like attention music like the end she's rushing towards this she doesn't know what she's going to find but we all do because Super Karen's going to save the day. I mean, it would take a fucking turn if, if it had gone wrong. Mm. She actively gets involved in the situation. The police at the end make no consequences. Oh, yeah, yeah you can go now. You, you endangered everyone's lives, but you're Super Karen. So, um, it's odd as well that this movie was a 12. Yeah. Dealing with some. Yeah. yeah. I really thought they had something at the beginning, because it is dropped quite early on that her son might be the killer, because it was dealing with something that I was like, brings up, we need to talk about... Kevin. We need to talk about Kevin, which is a fun... If you That's a great film. Mm. So automatically, you're going to associate it with this film, with Ezra Miller as, a, basically, let's be honest, one of the most unnerving roles you've ever seen in film. Are you going to get a bit of that, but told from the mum's perspective, like we're going to need to talk about Kevin? No. You're going to get plodding, poor dialogue, poor settings. Still don't understand why she's still running as well when she finds out this news. I like the idea that she needs to keep moving, like, because she doesn't know what to do. However, that's me injecting that into the film. That's mm. not the film telling me that. That's me desperate to find something because I quite like Naomi Watts. I thought this was going to be something interesting. I was like, when I read the subject, you know, the little blurb when you click on it, I was like, oh my God, this could be really something. It really wasn't. It was really shit. It was really bad. Make me feel, do you know what? The word, if film is supposed to make you feel an emotion, it failed on every level because at the end, I think I just shrugged and was like, I don't even hate it that much. It was such a bland, banal film. It's like Spaghetti Bolognese with no sauce. It's just bland. Very bland. Are you a Naomi Watts fan? Did, I, I, you, said, you said that twice. I'm just going to challenge it, James. Oh, maybe I'm not. <laughs> I, I think she's okay. She's yeah, like, there's worse actors out there. I, I never know how to feel with Naomi Watts because I think, you know, a big roles like Diana I didn't really go down too well. I think the way she, she's one of those like Meg Ryan where I like, oh, maybe kind of always remembered from being really bad with interviews and walking out of interviews if she gets pushed too hard. Yeah. And, Diana, I, I think was silly. That wasn't it. And you come up to the UK, you gotta, you gotta be ready for some. Yeah. Especially Diana, some, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and, um, you know, but then she bought that movie out the same year. She bought out movie 43, which, which oh, is, actually, fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> which is weird. But then she does things like boss level, which, you know, like I, I thought was a, Great movie. No, what's is okay. She's King Kong's fine. She's better than this. Yeah. 
But then again, everyone's better than this. Oh, and bad child actors as well. But to be honest, they get a pass because in, oh, you know, we're not going to make that joke. Move on. <laughs> American shame. <laughs> yeah. Um, bad football. What did you think? So you saw it. Yeah, I, I, I didn't feel much to it, to be honest. This, was, this is how I know. So I, my, my, where I watch films is adjoined to the kitchen. Mm. And this is the kind of film that when I went to go make a brew, I was like, I'll just leave it playing. Yeah. I wasn't really that bothered about pausing it. a lot it. of brews as well, didn't you? <laughs> just, <laughs> kettle took ages to boil. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, um, it just wasn't for me, this movie. I think in, I, there was three movies I watched this week. This was the third of, of films I couldn't get into and mm. struggled. So um, I also, so I talked about that. I watched Birthday Kate and I got 20 minutes in. And I was like, this film's going nowhere. And I'm so not bothered by it. And it's first time, I had this real lull this week before watching Batman and, yeah. a, few, and a few others that I you know thought was quite good. I really struggled this week getting into, I, the three films on The Bounce Dude where I was like, so there was this one, The Purge, The Next Level or whatever that is, where that f- cover drew me in like, Dude on a horse, mate. Looks oh, like he's about to take has. names. Yeah. Like, so I, and again, about 20 minutes into that, I was like, what is this shit I'm watching? <laughs> and then this was the third one. And it was, if it wasn't for the fact that I just turned off the purge and I turned off um, Birthday Cake, and I was like, come on, it's hour 20, you can do it. But then yeah. the reason why I didn't bring it to this week is because I, I didn't make any notes when I was watching it. I was like, oh, this is forgettable. I dialed into it, mate, I'll be honest. It, I don't blame it. This film I wish I hadn't seen. Give me one that, give me, give me, give me, give me a film. Let's do a big talking point. Because, and I'm not saying it's going to be positive. But let's do M. Night Shyamalan's Old. Right. So can I just say, going into this, I remember there was this break in COVID. I'm sure there was a break and it was Tenant, And everyone kind of hated Tenant. I'm sure this was the other film or this was either at the end of one. And I remember people were talking about this. It was like, he's back to his good. I remember seeing trailers for it and being interested. It was like, they're old. They start off as kids. What's going on here? It did pique my interest, which is something that M. Night Shyamalan it hasn't done for a while. Coloured me interested. It, it did colour me interested. And do you know and what? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and say Tenant. I enjoyed Tenant. I, I have no really strong feelings towards it, to be honest. I, I enjoyed it. It, it was, didn't save cinema like it was going to. It's mm, not Nolan's best. No. But I, I did enjoy it. That, that to me is a movie, again, where it's like, it showed me something I hadn't seen. Yeah. It, I, for ages and still now, I actually gave up trying to figure out how they filmed the end sequence of that movie because my, I was just too complicated. Like, I saw a diagram. I was like, shit, that just reminds me of like being at school. To be fair, you don't get that problem with like films like Monster Hunter. So maybe, no, you don't. So maybe they're the better films. You don't. So I, like, I, did, I did like Tenant. I did, I, it's not great, but old. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan. Say right now, all the directors in Hollywood, M. Night Shyamalan is the one that walks the most dangerous line of being someone we know is capable of great movies. And two of them star Bruce Willis. I'm just saying that when we say great, maybe... No, you know what, Cameron, mate, making your point, yeah. I'm saying Unbreakable and Sip Sense were great movies. Yes, but that makes me think, if you look at the law of averages, that they were the anomalous, not the other films. Because everyone's like, he must be good because he did two films good. But, but when you've got a history no, but of I, shit... But I think when you... In terms of box office... Okay. Now, yeah, don't get me wrong. The world is in balance. Last Airbender... And loads of others, <laughs> but Emmanuel Shyamalan is someone that I think everyone knows he's capable of doing great stuff, and and has done some very, very, very bad stuff. Polar opposite, some of the worst movies ever made. Last Airbender probably being the number one, but the happening, you know, is is like let me hold the door for you. And then there are some grey movies that divide audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and old is 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 I think any time you go into, it, and I said this in the M Night Shyamalan episode that we did uh, a while back. I always believe that M. Light's going to go back to doing the great stuff. 
and yeah. I keep getting disappointed every yeah, time I feel do. like I'm going to set that up. <laughs> but movies like Split, I thought I enjoyed. And Glass, now Glass, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to say it's a good movie, but I fucking pissed myself at that. When at the end, they're bigging up this the showdown of all time. It's going to be King Kong versus Godzilla, you know, at this skyline, and they don't get out of the car park. Bruce Willis and them don't get out of the car And I thought, <laughs> brilliant. And, and, you know, so M. Night Shyamalan, you can't deny... Um, you know, swings for the fences and it, sometimes he eats a home run, sometimes he's left eating dirt. But <laughs> written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And this is the other thing with M. Night Shyamalan. Written, directed, acted, probably does a theme tune. Like yep. he's one of them guys. <laughs> it stars uh, Gael Garcia Bernal. He's got Vicky Cripps in it. Uh, Rufus Sewell. Oh, do you know what? We remember that name. We'll come back to well, that. We are coming back to that. James, we are coming back to that name. And, and three people that I think I, I always am very fond of, two of which made my ones to watch list when we did that episode. But Alex Wolf, yeah. Thomas McKenzie, huge fan of. Eliza Scanlon, I'm a huge fan of. So mm-hmm. particularly those last two, but Alex Wolf, Hereditary, you know, I was, I'm, I'm in that. I'm, I'm, I'm back in that. Based on the book, the graphic novel, Sandcastle by Pierre Oscar Levy, Directed, it's direct, it's described, sorry, as a chilling, mysterious thriller. Old follows a family away on a tropical summer vacation who are informed <laughs> of a private secluded beach that's hidden somewhere on the island. Described as a natural beauty, a lifetime opportunity, a place to make memories that you'll never forget. The family agreed to go and find themselves trapped. After a few hours, the family and other guests that have somehow found their way on the beach realize they are rapidly aging reducing their entire lifespan into 24 hours or thereabouts. Yeah. It's um, it's something else, isn't it? So rapidly aging body horror is very Twilight Zone. Yeah. And the, and niche the, as well. No one's doing yeah. that. No one's the, doing that. If this is... If, Black Mirror could have done this brilliantly. Yeah. Twilight Zone could have done this brilliantly. M. Night Shyamalan? M. Night Shyamalan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, wait, wait. So, so where did you... I'll be honest. I was into this film a lot more than I thought it was going to be. <clears throat> they got to the beach. Don't get me wrong. There's issues before that, but we'll leave them to one side for the minute. But when I really lost was this, when Maddox is the young girl of the family. She says to her dad, oh my God, that's mid-sized sedan. Yeah. I was fucking done that, mate. I was like, I was done. Now I don't know if that comes from the source material though. Yeah, but either way. <laughs> so when, when, the, when the family arrived, there's someone already on the beach and it's a famous rapper or like social influencer. No rapper. And his his rap name is Midsize Midsize Sedan. Yeah, it might be in the comics, but it, that doesn't excuse it. It's shit. I will say off the bat that it, it, if this film, I mean, this is this is middle of the road for me for M Night Shyamalan, and I'm someone who, again, the village wasn't for me, but at least it again he swung, and he did swing for the village, and I was gutted that I paid money in the cinema to watch that film when that ending happened. But again, it goes back to that whole. But I haven't seen that before. And fuck it. He lived by his <laughs> convictions and he went for it. And a lot of the time in these movies, there's a twist. And and another thing I'll say about M. Night Shyamalan is he will, he he goes, you know, you follow the yellow brick road with him and he'll show you what's behind the curtain where Oz is because he will tell you at the end why you're watching what you are. There's no one answer to the question, which again, you've got to respect. But the downside is nine times out of 10, it's not a very good answer <laughs> to what is going on. And again, the village is an example of that, that that is going to rub some people up the wrong way. But that is part of horror, isn't it? It's being afraid of things that you don't understand. This is about the fear we all have of growing old and the fear of seeing the people that we love growing old in front of our eyes and how we're going to deal with it. Yeah, no, that's a really good idea. Maybe if you'd like showed that as opposed to what I saw. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> this I don't think M. Night Shyamalan is to blame for this movie. I think he is really um, helped along the way by some really bad acting. Now, not only the three that I mentioned, Thomas McKenzie, I think is fine. Eliza kind of does great in the in the roles. Rufus Sewell, take a bow because <laughs> that, is, that is next level shite in this film. <laughs> and a it's, lot of people do have that. It's, it's up there with Wahlberg and happening. It's, it's somehow, I don't know what direction you were given. Was your direction freak me out? Like, like not acting wise, make me worry that Sewell has actually lost his mind on set. <laughs> it's <laughs> bad dialogue as well. And, and in a, in a some... scene where he just swipes. <laughs> Fucking amazing. Yeah. Sorry. There's there's a structural choices against this movie as well about um, certain characters' backstories, which I was like, okay, all right, why why is that in there? Why is that necessary? It there, there is a lot of mystery and intrigue to it, and if you're if you're going to sell your movie as a mystery, there is a lot of that. There is you know when you join them on the beach, naturally, if you were in that place, and a lot of this is a lot of, a lot of this movie is one of two things, and M Night Shyamalan does this is it's either it's either POV. So you feel that you are one of the people on that beach. So the camera is at head height. When people are talking, the camera stays in one motion back to forth, like someone turning their head, listening to a conversation. Mm. So it does put you into that beach. And then it does these big grand sweeping shots that make you feel that something untowarding or paranormal is, is watching over them. So it balances between the two. M. Night Shyamalan does know how to make a movie. I think for this, I think for this one though, is after you get past the basics of look, you can't go that way, you can't go that way, you can't go here. Shit, that person's just dropped dead. Why? That person's starting to act weird. It's all the M Night Shyamalan things that are great in like the first ten minutes of the happening when you're like, shit, what's going on here? And then as it starts to unravel, you're like, oh, that's not very interesting. <laughs> no, and that's the problem with this movie is like. When you get behind the curtain and you see what it is, you're like, "Oh, that's not interesting." Oh, <laughs> like, um, I mean, it is on paper. It is on a graphic novel. It probably is really mm. interesting in the novel. Well, apparently, the novel never explains what's happening. It's only ever the people on the beach. That's something I found out when I was when I was researching it. So, so you never get a reason for it. So, I imagine like the last the last twenty minutes isn't in the comic book. But I'm just going to put this out. I, I I think it was one of the worst. I hated it. I hated it so much. The writing in it. So the 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 scene. That stood out for me as well. Just before they get to the beach, um, there's a couple and one and the wife has a seizure and Rufus Sewell comes up and he's like, that is, that is so I bad, can help. It? But not only just him, because then he transfers his bad acting to the character of Jaren and Jaren goes, my name is Jaren. What's your name? And he's like, I'm just trying to help. Please leave me alone. And then he goes, my name is Jaren. What's yours? I was like, I don't know what they're going for because they're not acting. <laughs> I do like that bit when, like, bless her, she has a seizure. He's like, I'm a doctor. He does nothing. He just, he just kneels. He just kneels down and he goes. Oh, he says, yeah, "Leave her, don't he?" Yeah, like, he goes, I'll, I'll, I'll probably just leave her for a few minutes. And uh, my job is done. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and don't get me wrong, that probably is the best medical advice. Yeah, yeah. But but, but, and, but the thing is, the person he's telling it to is a nurse. Yeah, that was who, weird. He's married who, to the person who knows all about it. <laughs> oh, it was a, it, it was awful. Like, there's some of the right mate there. Another scene as well, which I think is supposed to inflict horror. So the mum leaves the kids with this couple on the beach and, and they talk to him. He's like, how old are you? He's like, I'm six and a half. He's like, motherfucker, you, he's 15. No, he doesn't say, but he's like, were you 15? He's like, no, I'm six and a half. Then the mum comes back and she doesn't even recognise them while she's looking at him. And you're supposed to think, dun, dun, dun. I was thinking, what shit, mum? <laughs> it's like, who else did they think they were? Oh, he was fucking balls. I hated it. It was shit. It was terrible. It was awful. It was one of the worst. I think it was maybe his worst. 
I think, I think if you're going to use words like terrible, you really have to go to the pit of like Adam Sandler for terrible. No, I, I'm, I not, I'm, not, I'm not defending this movie because again, there's still enough in there for like that particular scene. You don't see the kids for ages. So again, as a viewer, you're like, well, let's see them then. Let's see, you know, because they've, they've aged, let's see them. And mm. you realise that's because it's buying you time because they're still getting older because then it's been the proportion of the movie where he's in Alex Wolf's skin. Mm. Um, you know, so has to, and they do the maths, don't they? They're like an hour is like three years. And so they start to figure out how long then, they're on there but for. But then Alex Wolf was a 16 year old. What he does is terrible. Yeah. yeah don't get me wrong. There's, yeah, there's that, that scene, that's, that, that whole bit section. Yeah, exactly. That's some of the worst things I've ever seen on a film. And that was put in there purely to just add another like, isn't that terrible? We get it. The beach is horrible. Like, <laughs> Who do you think wants to go to this beach? Who are you trying to turn off? We didn't get, we get it. Mm. Stay away from there it. Is, there is something about, you know, Trouble in Paradise storylines, you know, a place where you're supposed to have the happiest memories becomes a horror. There are, there is, that is naturally disturbing when you don't trust or know the people that you're surrounded with and what they're capable of. That is disturbing. There is a particularly gruesome scene in the caves, which plays with the idea that time is, happening fast so what would happen in you know there's there's the, maybe the main horror sequence in it mm. i thought again was like haven't seen that before that's you know that uses the narrative of this uh the world that's created to its advantage and gave us something that was quite scary um it's just it's just really lucky as well that the kids it, asked everyone what their name was and what their job was at the beginning fantastic yeah, yeah. It, really, it could have really been a short movie and and here's I fucking one wish it was here's here's one that so this is this is my this is I think what my take home message is is that out of any director I think out there M Night Shyamalan's movies do have a layer of smugness. Yep, there's something about M Night Shyamalan, and it's the because and if anyone says Hitchcockian, they can fuck right off because <laughs> at least Hitchcock very rarely said anything or was uncredited or would make his you know passing. He gives himself proper roles in these movies, yeah. which again like you're like okay you're a good director. You're a very good, like, um, you've got a very good eye for Hollywood B-movie or doing the films that Hollywood won't pick up. I think up. he's a great ideas, man. Yeah, he's a great ideas, man. But he, he could stay, put the fucking pen away. Let someone well, else write the script. Or no, let someone else direct is my point. Yeah. Because you're not an actor as well, which is the other thing. Whenever he's on screen, I'm always like, oh, there he is. He's pretty bad. You know, well, he yeah. just gets more and more kind of parts in, in, his, in his movies. So to, to me, like, I, I think if this was in the hands of someone like Jordan Peele, Mm. This would have been brilliant. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But, but it wasn't. It, but it wasn't. It was in M. Night Shyamalan's hands. Those those greasy, gleaming <laughs> ego hands. <laughs> Dripping with ego, mate. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. My takeaway from it was, I will never watch old because <laughs> I thought it was and terrible. The other thing as well is it's not, it doesn't do the less is more show don't tell stuff. Oh God, no. But so, it doesn't do the balls to the wall stuff. It just kind of sits in the middle of the two all the way through. So it never makes it to either extreme of those. I think, I just think the problem is as well is that it's really, so for example, his cast in a Rufus Shield, you know, we know that he's a person, but we picked uh, actors as well whose language is, uh, the first language isn't English. Mm. I can't imagine how difficult it is to act in a language that's not native to you. And he mixes them all together and you just get these weird scenarios where no one's acting at the same level. They're all acting, it's like someone's thrown their self into a role 100%. Like Rufus Shule's wife, the actress's name I can't remember. Vicky Cripps. She doesn't do a very good job, but weirdly that's, but that plays into her character mm. because she's quite, you know, vacuous, you know, it's like takes picture. But like the mum is giving it the all. Oh, it, it was, I don't know what's going on. Everyone's been told. I think it comes down to the direction. Like I say, like Rufus Shule's obviously been told something fucking completely different to everyone else because he 
I mean, he's not what's he's the, not Mark Wahlberg what's, level. What's the opposite of Hamza? <laughs> he, he, he cheeses it out, mate. <laughs> he he's, he's, fucking... he's not Mark Wahlberg, though. Can you he's imagine not him? Mark We're on the beach. What? Mm-hmm. The time's going really fast. Can we swim? We can't swim. I don't know. There is a random scene which I still think might be one of the funniest scenes I'll ever see in my life where he just he slices mids. <laughs> Listen to this sentence. He gets, he's got a pocket knife. He slices mid sized sedan and he just goes, Yeah, I'm sorry. I just didn't like the way he was looking at me. I'm really sorry. Can I have a look at that? <laughs> Well, it, it's, it, it's no, because it. there's something... No, I get yeah, it. Yeah, that, but at the same time, mate, as it's played out, mm. I was fucking... But I think that's... The, again, this goes back to the fact that it could have been better or should have, would have, could have. But, you know, it's it's that is... To me, that's a real good horror theme. So, I've, I, you know, I've talked in this about things like POV shooting. I've talked about, like, the, the beach being a good setting for somewhere because that's not a place where you expect horror... You know, and, and Stephen King, we talk about this all the time, writes all of his, a lot of horror scenes in bathrooms because that's where we find bumps, that's where we find blood and that's where we find a lot of horror in life and stuff. And right in that, all of that for me, is when someone acts out a character for, and if you've only got a short time to understand who that person is and then they do something that's really not just not just a little bit off, but they are a completely different person behind the eyes. Mm. In horror, that tends to work pretty well. And, and yeah. it's something that personally, for me, I, I, I freaks me the hell out when I see it. No, it, it's like, but like you say, it was all M. Night Shyamalan. The framework is there mm. to tell you a really good story, but it's, it's, it's the rest that you have to get it. It's like, oh, what a great framework. If you just had an idea, great, great idea. Now, fuck off. Mm. <laughs> but he doesn't. He's got to stick around and M. Night Shyamalan it. He does. He Shyamalan's all over <laughs> it. Mate, this is the most Shyamalan on a film. He Shyamalan's <laughs> fucking everywhere. <laughs> Oh, mate, we've gone down. It would just keep tumbling. We do keep tumbling, but I, do you know I'm what? I'm running out of films, so we've got mate. a good one. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> Shit, well, have you got a good one? Uh, the Hurricane Heist. <laughs> <laughs> so this this was like the original, it's coming to Sky. It's not yeah. going to a cinema. Yeah. And Netflix were doing their stuff, but this mm. was like the first... Big um, one. The big one, yeah, that was going to be simultaneously released at the same time. So I mean, they've done this before yes. with films straight away to DVD. But this was Sky, mate. This, this was a Sky cinema movie. Technically like a Sky original as well. And it, so. was, and it was pulling off the most daring of stunts. A heist. Mate, enjoy the horror game. I'm just saying that we're about to win it. So this, you're right, it came out simultaneously. It came out everywhere. Still didn't make any money. <laughs> the Horror Cane Heist 2018, directed by Rob Cohen. Starring Toby Kebble. That's right, Toby Kebble. You don't know who that is. <laughs> Maggie Grace. Maggie Grace, mate. Maggie Grace, basically. And Ralph Innison. You, you might not recognise him, but you'd recognise him. <laughs> you'd know his voice. You'd know his voice. you know so his voice. If you ever watched Dave, you'd know his voice. Oh, yes, yeah, so he's obviously, that's his gotcha. famous. on Dave. And he, he basically, is his role is to show up and be the Englishman in American things. But, yeah. but not Mark Strong. <laughs> but he was in Robert Eggers' The Witch. You can't get Mark Strong. No. <laughs> you get Ralph Innocent. Right. Will and Debris are two youngsters whose dad gets killed. <laughs> opens up with a hurricane, mate. They're children. Their dad takes them out. And this is how he, it's how he relaxes them. He's like, run your football plays. So they're running their football plays in the head. Then, they, then the, the hurricane mate's getting too much. So they try and hide in the house, you know, mm. to, as the storm passes. The two kids run inside. The dad has to go back to the, the car to get something. So when I say he gets killed by a hurricane, he technically gets flattened by a house. <laughs> We're in, mate. I'm already loving it. You know I love natural disaster films. I love anything that's over the top. I love bollocks, mate. Is this my sort of bollocks? Well, let's find out. Several years later, Treasury Agent Casey is in charge of the disposal of hundreds of millions of dollars. But there is another destructive hurricane on its way. 
and the equipment isn't, per- isn't working properly, so she calls on the local mechanic, Breeze. His name's Breeze. No, that's, that's one of my points I've got to say, right? <laughs> While this is happening, Will, the other brother, just happens to be in town as a top-notch National Weather Service meteorologist. Of course he is. So why isn't he called Breeze? <laughs> it makes more sense for him to be called Breeze. Please say his name's like Gusty. No, he's just Will. <laughs> it's just Will, mate. <laughs> Uh, he's there to see the hurricane. While all this is happening, another treasury agent betrays everyone and brings in his own crew to steal all the money. But he didn't take into account Breeze, the Breeze, or Will. <laughs> um, what a farce. Mate, mate, what a fucking ridiculous. So we were talking about that uh, Jason Statham movie not that long ago. So that premise, but crammed into a really shit film. Mm. Um, the vehicle. So the vi- what, Sorry, the, the thingy, the... Which Jason said? Oh, one? the one that was on Prime. Wrath of Man. Wrath of Man. You know, so at the end, it's just this high. So that's yeah. what they're going for. They're going for, there's this area with lots of disposable money. They're, they're putting it in the shredder. But Casey, mate. Oh, Casey. She, her spider sense just randomly tingles. So she's going to go out and get the engineer. Mm. And she's just like, just in case, I'm going to change the password and then hide the password. So she hides it. But for no reason, because then not the terrorists attack. Mm. And you just think, well, how does she know? It's just new, mate. She just knew. There's part of me that wishes the hurricane had a face <laughs> just so they could go, that hurricane killed my father. <laughs> Start shooting at it. <laughs> there, is, there, is, there is kind of a bit like that. Right, so let me tell you about these characters. Right, so Will. Will drives this vehicle, this like all-terrain vehicle, and the idea of it that it can hunt, it can hunt hurricanes. Mm. It's well over the top. But do you know what? It leads to a decent action piece because this is all-terrain vehicle. They're getting chased by the local cops who are in on it. Oh, so... So not just... In, sorry, in on the hurricane or the heist? Oh, the heist, mate. All right. <laughs> well, they never planned on the hurricane because oh. you can't plan for that. <laughs> so that, the hurricane was something... So in their heads, it was the heist. Mm. <laughs> the hurricane was... Anyway, there's this vehicle. There's a really cool chasing. And what I mean by that is... So it drew... It's, they basically... He stops the car and uses it as like a, like a, like a rock. So the car just smashes into it and mm. disintegrates. Really cool. This, this vehicle is basically, what I'm trying to say, is the vehicle's the MVP does all the fucking work in this film. <laughs> the vehicle's brilliant. Looks well over it, the top. Is it like in Twister where the MVP is a belt? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I remember watching this thinking, this is what Michael Fish was missing when he was a weatherman. <laughs> because, because watching the news was a bit dry. Well, you know that bloke on this morning that would jump between mm-hmm. the islands in the river? What what we needed is some pillock driving around in this fucking tank. <laughs> For anyone's all getting that reference, oh, Ma- yeah. Michael Fish... <laughs> Michael Fish. <laughs> Michael Fish is f- famous in the UK for um, being a weatherman say, and saying that there was not going to be a hurricane, <laughs> and then there was, and it destroyed the fucking shitload of property, and some people lost their lives. Yeah, um, so it's kind of like, a, and also not modern day weatherman. I'm <laughs> fucking pulling up. Love the fact that I didn't even think that people wouldn't know who Michael yeah. Fish is. Anyway, um, basically, this is a rule that should be held for all movies. Don't go anywhere with Maggie Grace. Mm. <laughs> you do what. Go to a foreign city? No, because you'll get kidnapped. <laughs> go on a plane? No, because you'll end up in six seasons of nonsense. <laughs> Don't go here. Right, so when we're introduced to her, she's in the van full of this money, and there's a traffic jam. But because we need to know that she doesn't play by the rules, we need to know that she's a bit different. How do you think they portray this, this person who I'd like to point out is the good guy? Her massive tank, she drives over the cars <laughs> that are in her way, and she just says, it shouldn't be in the way. Oh, she's so, hard then. So she's hard. Um, 
that scene to me as an introduction scene might be one of the weirdest because I don't know is she, am, I, am I supposed to think she's the villain um, Will Will is the gentleman with the car he has a, an ability to know everything about hurricanes because a hurricane killed his father it's like he can read the minds of the hurricane so at the start mate he's the got hurricane the, whisperer <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> he's there going, and there's a great scene where he's on his phone to the boss, and his boss is like, "This hurricane is going to be too bad," and he goes, "Don't believe the instruments. I can feel it." You're like, "Oh, thanks, Will. Is it, if only your beliefs made sense." <laughs> um, Breeze is a super mechanic because because of I assumed the terror of a hurricane coming at him. So he not only does everything he needs to, but he was also they were both in the army for a period as well to explain why they're able to hold guns and shoot people. So that's very is good. he Jonah Hobbs level mechanic though. Mm. No, no, because no one is. Because because <laughs> it is kind of explainable because he's just got to fix a generator. Right. But what's really weird is I don't know why the generator is relevant to the bank heist that they're doing. But I oh, forgot about the bank heist. <laughs> forgot about the heist. Um, the local police force are with the robbers. Yes, you've seen this film. It's called Hard Rain. Mm. Um, it's bollocks. Wasn't Mel Gibson in a movie where there was a storm coming? I don't know. And they were doing a heist with that. I can't remember. Um, so as a film goes as the hurricane heist it did terribly at the box office critics hated it what's worse than these characters that you don't believe in a situation you don't believe is the time that they've got to randomly all start having weird conversations that people never used to have in films until the late 2000s so they're driving away from baddies but they do have time for the main characters Maggie Grace and Toby Kibble to talk about their opinions on climate change oh. and why climate change might be the reason for this super hurricane. What's not explained is anything else in the film. Uh, hurricane Heist was a, was a treat, mate, a treat. One of those times was, was it too good it was bad? It's laughable. It is laughable, but like all things, all films I see now, I will compare them to Moonfall. Hurricane Heist wasn't as bad as, wasn't as bad or as good as Moonfall. So Moonfall wins. So the Hurricane Heist, is it so good it's bad? Nah. It's laughable, but it is ultimately bad. It it was meant to be bad, though, wasn't it? It, it was. It's, no in, the, it's in the vein of Sharknado. It's, it's... It, the problem is, is it doesn't go far enough to be a auto out and out bad film. It does try to be serious at some points. It's just a bit ridiculous. But you know what? It's not. It, it wasn't trying to win an Oscar. It was trying mm. to make some money and have some fun. And you know what? And parts of it is fine. It has some fun. Mate, Jesus Christ, the film's weirdly not enough hurricane. <laughs> that's that's what I put it down to. I wanted more from my hurricane. Now, I'm, I'm not just, I'm just in case anyone thought I was going absolutely mad. Um, there is a movie called Force of Nature starring Amelia Hirsch, Kate Bosworth, and Mel Gibson. Looking Amelia Hirsch getting his fucking fingers and everything again. A gang of thieves plan a heist during a hurricane and in kind of trouble when a cop tries to force everyone into the building to evacuate. Mm. So they're not robbing a bank, they're trying to rob a building. But Mel Gibson's in there and he's a retired cop, I believe. Really Hirsch is his son. Obviously. I watched bits of it. I'm not singing his praises, James. Are you singing Hurricane? Would you watch the Hurricane House? No. <laughs> <laughs> I do have the line at the Hurricane movies after Twister. Oh, mate, you it said peaked. Twister. It's a bad thing. It's oh. like Waterworld. There's no need for any film ever to be set at water again because Waterworld <laughs> did it so perfectly, James. That's why no one goes to Mars anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I fucking, I fucking I got it weirdly. I knew exactly what you meant. Oh, oh man. Oh, let's hit a home run then with Escape Room 2, Tournament of Champions. <laughs> so a few podcasts back, you might remember I did Escape Room. 
That's a little ditty of a movie. Mate, it's fucking the sequel. The fans demand it's today. Film no one saw coming. <laughs> and there's a reason why. Um, Escape Room, the first one, I kind of ended it by saying, look, it's ridiculous. 90 minutes popcorn fun. If you've got a bunch of friends around, it's probably enjoyable. The props, the sets, the escape rooms that they had to escape had a kind of visceral imagery to them that was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And it did, it was a like, who's going to die in each room and, you know, get to the end. And there was a few surprises along the way. So it, ultimately I came out of escape room going, it's better than oh, thought it was. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not my cup of tea, but it, it does the job. So escape room two tournament of champions returns 90 minutes a sequel to the movie Survivors Zoe and Ben because you may remember James remember I told you Zoe and Ben they survived the first film yeah mate you <clears> wouldn't <throat> stop talking about it well they only uh, want to expose the truth behind the organisation that is behind these deadly escape oh my rooms. god so they head towards what they think is the uh, the base of operations for this there's a clue at the end of the last movie that kind of sets them on their way oh no they think they are running uh, to expose inc- the, the corrupt organisation what they don't realise is they're heading right into the <sighs> next set of games like some sort of I imagine some sort of tournament of, of like previous winners, like champions, if you will. If you will. Now, we haven't seen those films. I know these champions, but it kind of gives the idea we're supposed to know who they are. Okay. Like, as they walk on screen, you're like, oh shit, did they win, a, they, they won it as well? Oh, God, they? Like, it's fucking Bill. It's, like the, it's, it's, like, Bill. it's like the third Hunger Games. Like, <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> um, Six strangers once again have to work together to get through a series of rooms that are designed to kill. It's an over-the-top sequel. Any sequel, as we know, tends to go over the top budgets from the first movie. Mm. They've got the kind of the mechanics and the the uh, the moving parts the of it. So storyline. <laughs> yeah. So they, so normally they use the budget in the next one to go bigger, bolder, braver, bloodier, whatever it may be, whatever it falls into. And this certainly feels more like a saw movie. The uh, the the traps are less um, about escaping and and someone perishing at the end of each one, and more that actually you could die mid-game. It seems to be mm. the, the new theme to this. So people do actually die during the games or, or um, you know, the, the kind of some unexpected twist. First off, the, what I really struggle with is that, so these two guys get out of this game last time. So they barely get through, uh, you know, surviving the first round. They and, think, fuck it. Let's just hire a car. Yeah. Because the, if these guys can create this set of games that the, that the rich and the wealthy watch and bet on, mm. and the police and the FBI, no one knows about them. These mm. two teenagers are going to go expose it. So they use they, they use their pocket money to hire a car to drive to New York to expose this this. Fit. I'm like, what world is this where anyone thinks that's a good idea? They well, rock up, and it is another thing that I fucking love. And I don't care if this is a spoiler. It's not. I don't think it is. But the end of the first movie, the end of the first movie ends with this like plane crash simulator so you you it does that final destination thing where you don't realize you're in an escape room until people start looking around and they're like shit you know you could be walking down the street and then all of a sudden you know like cars stop moving and you realize there's no one actually around and you're like fuck i'm gonna i didn't even realize i got oh, it oh yeah okay, yeah so it's that kind of thing so the end of the first movie ends with this plane crash and it and it when the plane hits the rocks the windscreens of the plane like go to static yeah. and then they're all actors and they're like yeah this this game will work really well it's just you know like in uh in this man you know in in the high chair you know that you don't see his face is like great we'll use it in the next round of games the kind of ah. thing and what i really love about this movie is i don't think they expected a sequel because the film starts with at the airport and you think oh they're gonna get on that plane that's rigged to fucking blow and, uh, and then they just go now let's get a car instead <laughs> drive there <laughs> I, just, I really like the idea they were around, sat around the board table going fuck we've got to do that plane sequence that's expensive no and how do we how are they going to get off it you know like that because it's not like sense. they're going to get to the cockpit and go oh fuck oh, it I'll have to God. land this plane 
never even thought about that. <laughs> so they just went, no, let's just shit can all of that. They're just going to get a car and drive there. So you just, you just see someone in the back go, go drats. It's <laughs> like, no, you do. There's near stewardess who's like, oh, I'll take your ticket. And then when they don't get on the plane, she's like, you want to get on this plane? <laughs> You're not fucking over. You want Kenobi. <laughs> so, so they drive over that way. They get, they, they find themselves in this game because again, they're in New York and they're like, oh, there's a, it's took us to this address. There's no door. We can't get in. Crackhead comes along and he's like, I'll get you in that building, but you got to give me a little bit of dollar dollar. Obviously. So, and that's who you want to trust in. <laughs> well, I just, I don't understand why, why they found a clue, I assume, in one of the games in the mm. first film, which led them to where they go. Now, why, why would they trust it? Why well, they go, oh, this will bring them down. This yeah. won't be a clue to get my legs chopped off into some sort of fucking machine. What I really like though is they, they, they find themselves having to get on this train this underground train. Obviously. Th- then is the game. And I'm like, so what was with the other 200 people on the platform? Luckily, they didn't get on this train. You know what I mean? But the six, they were like, just make the tournament winners got on it though, James. That's where they all get together and they meet. And then one game leads to another game. The thing that was good about the first film, and I use good as in like it passed, yeah. was that- Not the, good. No, the, <laughs> just, the, the rooms were aesthetically pleasing. They mm. looked good, like great designs. This this is not that. It's It's- the first one is in an underground train you know, that's electricity, but the rules of electricity are, you know, bended to make this scene work. Obviously. So some people get electrocuted from touching things. Other people don't. It's like, hold on, so what are the rules here? <laughs> like, there's there's a there's a room with like acid rain in it Obviously. where all the way through it, you just, and it's so bad. They have to melt a lock, right? Mm. Fuck it. They have to melt a lock. Yeah. It's set up like a New York, uh, like, uh, city, a uh, street, yeah. yellow cab, you know, all this kind of stuff. There's a phone booth. They need to get in the phone booth because the phone's ringing. And um, so when the bit of rain intermittently keeps coming on every 45 seconds and it's acid rain, so they have to keep running to this, like, this one bit that provides them yeah, cover. You get it. But the cover's slowly melting away. So they ain't got all day here, James. And you're like, why isn't the lock melting then? Because everything else is. And then the thing, they, the thing that they use to capture the rain is a ketchup bottle a plastic ketchup bottle and one of them goes, oh yeah, this, this doesn't melt in acid. I'm like, I don't get the rules of physics of this world that they've created. They don't want some plastic that don't melt during acid. I, I, I bet they are. But then I was like, so you so you can capture some acid, throw it on this lock and it melts the lock. So why aren't the lock melted already? Because it's raining. Oh, you, do you think I wrote this? <laughs> oh, sorry, did you not? <laughs> no, what happened to the plane scene at the beginning? Sounds like a fucking idiot wrote it. He's it, all over the place. So it's like, and... They try and feed in this narrative. This is the best thing. This is the best fucking thing. So then they then they put in this narrative that the person behind the games mm. has a backstory and a daughter. Obviously. You know, and the daughter's Who like- got lost in an escape room. <laughs> and they got this daughter who's- They got this daughter who's like super brainy. And is she creating the games? And is she in one herself? And what's with the dad's? And the dad, I didn't even bother researching the guy's name, but you know him from a villain in things. Oh, okay. Can you good. remember the season one of the tunnel? Yeah. Villain. Oh, yeah. Can you remember the season one of Dexter? Villain. It's not, yeah. <laughs> it's that kind of yeah. guy when he pops There's up. A, right, so what I don't understand is you've been telling me this story, which, which sounds fucking weird. Mm. And just, just for the record, because I love its name so much. Escape Room 2, Tournament of Champions. Yeah. I get why two of them are in it. Why has everyone else redone it? What's in it for them? Is it money? Or- yeah. No, like, no, no. They're, they're all like, oh, shucks, they got us. Oh, fuck. <laughs> like, there's no reason so, why so, they're so, there. So there's, no, so there's no, like, there's no point of winning this. No. But, right, okay. No. It, so Tournament of Arseholes is what it should have been called. The, the, the scariest thing is it threatens a trilogy. Oh, God. Like, it, it has this idea that actually one of the characters, 
um, you know, may uh, may not be who they said they were and actually are they the mastermind? It's got all that kind of shit to it. Right, it's the same as the first movie. If this is your cup of tea, it's not gory or graphic or bloody or anything like that. People die from ridiculous ways. It's not mm. Final Destination where, you know, Final Destination get- 1, you were like, fuck, who's next? Like, and it was scary. Like, it was, there was a tension that was built and then, up. like the fourth one, it was just like, like a bee, like oh, hits yeah. a radiator. That it just, it just became like bloody... Kaplunk didn't it of how, how was someone going to die <laughs> like, yeah I kind of missed that though I, did, I, you, I, did, I, did, did you ever watch those films and wonder like I, I was used to sit there I hated them I hated yeah. them all I thought they were bollocks I love that the first the, one was good the first one was originally an X-Files episode that it turned into a film very because, cool because the two FBI agents you can tell which one of them is supposed to be the Scully and which one of them is supposed I to be the I think I heard that before yeah um, Anyway, so I was always I to play like this implausible situation. It was like, well, how are they going to die? Because I love the fact you'd be like, it would tease this would happen, but you'd be like, no, I bet the fan falls yeah. down and hits her in the head. That was that was the that was the, that was the riddle, wasn't it? By the time you got to that third or fourth one or whatever it was, because yeah. it was yeah, it was like goes in a room and there's a giant exposed like blade just <laughs> circling. It's like, yep. I bet I bet, I bet, I bet <laughs> he falls falls on a pedal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did. I did like them. I, I thought the second final destination was pretty good because everyone's been on a road now with a big truck foot carrying logs and they've gone, I've seen this movie. Fuck no. <laughs> First one though, it was also played on that fear, wasn't it? It's like Jaws did the whole don't get in the water, sharks, you yeah. know, planes, scary fucking time, you know, taking off. So Final Destination, my point being, probably watch that over yeah, uh, Escape yeah, Rooms. Yeah. Escape Rooms knew what it was doing. It, you know, it was a kind of low budget, um, pray, you know, preying on that kind of young, new to horror audience that they, it's, they, it's, not about the horror, it's about the thrill of the horror. And that's where I lose myself because for, mm. for me, horror is very much a tone, is a genre, you know, and this is one of those where it's like, no, because people die in it, it's a horror movie, but it's not actually, it's actually not. It's a more of a thrill-seeking adrenaline kind of film. So, so but it's, it's just not for me. So I don't know about your experience, but my experience with Sky was obviously not that great. I think that they, they what's really good about Sky or, or Now TV is it does get regular new premieres. Like mm. they try and get a new film on your screen every week. Not afraid to bring in some of the lower films, um, like the bits on Netflix that you don't see. Sky does a habit of like promoting them, you know, putting them out there. <clears throat> does do collections as well that are easy to find. So Netflix and Amazon can be harder to find a film. They'll stick all the Batmans, a little collection called Batman. Mm. So Sky and, and so I use Sky Go. So that's how I get it. So for me, how it's laid out can sometimes be a bit better than Amazon and Netflix. It's positive. However, their original films don't always hit it with me. You know, we had that final score with Dave Bautista and Pierce Brosnan a few years ago that kind of launched it. Wasn't a great film. Um, So I know it sounds like a bit bit negative lately. Here's somewhere where Sky does shine with its original TV programming, especially comedy. We've got Brassic, a TV series that's incredibly funny that's going on and on. Trolley was pretty funny. Having worked in a retail background, part of Elements, so that was funny. And at its peak, when it got together with Charlie Brooke and created a touch of cloth, which is a piss take of all the British police procedural dramas with literal funny, funny back and forths. And you long for a time with physical humour, you know, literal humour. That's a touch of frost, a touch of cloth. There's always a joke in the background, a visual aid. You every time you watch it, you see something different, something funny. Great British talent, uh, spearheaded by John Hanna, Syria Anna Jones. You know, it's a great it's three series long. Third series even brings in um, Gillian. Ah, oh, fucker, Gillian, uh, Karen Gillian. So Karen Gillian. So celebration of really good British talent. And do you know what? It's fun and it's on Sky. You can find it, search for it. It's on there, on there. And they do have this network. So <laughs> movies, nah, but TV. Yes. So I just wanted to end on a positive. Sky's got and that going for it. For us Brits that don't have HBO Max yet, 
Exactly. It does often find a home for a lot of the stuff that we're yes. waiting for that, that Netflix and Amazon maybe don't. Well, that's where you watch, you really like Watchmen, the TV series, and it was from Sky, wasn't it? We love Sky Atlantic, Game of Thrones, obviously, Sky, over this yeah. way, True Detective, Mayor of Easttown. Ah, yeah. So there's a lot on there. Even um, going back to like uh, Deadwoods, they all find their homes on, on that streaming platform. So, so so Sky isn't necessarily negative, but, but maybe stay away from the film section. Maybe, maybe give a gander to its TV section. The thing with the film section as well is, is that I think like Google reviews and stuff like that, you can you can put a lot of fake ones on there because they're five star movies, James. Are oh, not five star, no. and, and, and that's not me being like pretentious or anything. Like the new Jane Silent Bob movies on there, that is not a five star movie. No, you know a lot of star. And I'm a big Kevin Smith there, fan. Yeah. yeah, if it's a big movie, it usually seems to get a higher star rating. Yeah, yeah. Uh. Anyway. Right then, that's our show. So if you've liked that, that's an hour and a half of film talk recommendations, films to stay away from, or ones that just take a gamble because who knows, you might like them, you might see something that we didn't. Do let us know, write, review, um, messages. It'd be really cool to hear what you think of any of the movies that we've talked about. If you do want to stick around, we're just going to go back to the Batman, but this will include a few spoilers and a few bits that if you haven't seen the movie, you might want to turn away from now. So if that is you, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you and, and have a great day. See you next week. See you later. If you're still with us though, five, four. Three, two, one. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Batman. You can't blame us if you haven't seen it and you say, oh, you spoiled the film for us because mm. we gave you a clear warning. Which we do. I like, yeah, we do. Yeah, well, yeah we do. I've so, just spoiled something for the shits, <laughs> for shits and giggles. So going back to, to some of the key elements then in the Batman that maybe work well really, or, or maybe don't work well. I think, so I really was liking their take on Alfred. So now, now this is where we can talk about a bit of the spoilers and he's not in it as much. It's because he's not a butler. He's kind of the right-hand man who's taken charge because, like you said, Batman doesn't want to be Batman. He don't want to be Bruce Wayne. He just wants to be Batman. But so he's like, have you noticed that? Well, he's got a butler. I love that. It's well, that, like, that yeah. <laughs> he's got a butler Doris on the butler, or uh, yeah. Dolores is, is the butler. The, yeah. So I really liked that. However, obviously he gets caught up in the storyline. <laughs> And then that's where you, you're lacking this emotional anchor that you had. And I just wanted more circus. He's not in it enough, mm. but the, the the nature of the story dictates that he must. But that scene, I generally thought they were going to do it. I was like, oh my God, that would be interesting because you've never seen Batman without anyone. Maybe he will mm. die in this explosion. So to me, Andy Circus, that's the biggest, not let down, missed opportunity. Yeah. That's what I would go with. There's a very cool part of the beginning of the movie that sets up that, um, there's a gang. Mm. You see it in the trailers. You see it as the kind of the big I'm vengeance scene where he beats fuck out some dude. Can we just say that the fight scenes are the most brutal I've ever seen? Like, yeah. Like the, the idea that he beats people to a pulp. Yeah. You don't kill him, but that he goes that extra mile. And that seems perfectly offset with criminals looking in shadows, mm. which is really good. Like there's a guy spray painting. I know it's not a point you're making, but he's spray painting the can. And then he rolls into shadows and he has that thought. It's like, is Batman there? Because they've seen the signal and he pisses himself. Yeah. And, runs away. and that happens three times. I really liked that. I thought it was amazing. And like you said, fucker just walks out. Mm. And it carries on that fear thing, doesn't it? Mm. Fear is his greatest weapon. You know, people that fear him, people that just put down the weapons because they're like, no, the signal's on, not tonight, guys. Yeah. You know? And that that works really, really well. There's, there's a gang at the beginning and straight away I was, I was looking at it and they've got these like face paint on mm. and the leader of it is very clearly looks like a Joker follower. Yeah. Uh, you know, because of the face paint. And then you realise one of the other guys has only got half his face paint. Yes, because he's not a full member, mate. But he's also two, fa you know, you got two face reference. There. Oh, I thought, I guess, <clears throat> I never even thought of it like No, that. I do think he's only got half it because he's got, his initiation is yeah. to get the other half. But you're like, okay, two face. The other one has got like teeth and you're like, okay, croc. You know, mm. so I, like very early on, I was like, 
the, these, this is cool. There's going to be loads of things in there hidden. Oh, there is so many. Like, yeah. even, like even like the way the Riddler kills me was Hush. That type is that, thing. yeah. So Hush is like, like the masking tape around yeah. the face completely. Yeah. Hush, hush is all through. It. He even says Hush in a, in a mm. line where it doesn't work. Yeah. And he goes out his way to go, oh, I was Hush about it. It's like, oh, fucking I've just really put it in there. <laughs> um, which I really liked about it. There's also, and, and this is where I think it's going, this would be a spoiler, is at the end of the movie, Batman injects himself with what has to be the Bane serum. It's Venom. Yeah, it's yeah. Venom. It's, that's exact. I said that, I was trying to be like, someone asked me if there was like, <coughs> they wanted, they were asking me and I was like, fairly soon that's Venom and that's what Bane does because this film is really realistic and it doesn't look like it would go with any of these storylines. Mm. He does literally straight up inject Venom. I yeah. thought it was Venom. He loses his shit. He goes fucking mental. He goes berserker. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 scares the shit out of even Catwoman's yeah. character at that point, Selena Kyle. And, you know, which kind of gives him the nod as to say thank you, but also well, the fuck was that? Have a fucking chill your beans, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> and I really hope the next movie he's addicted to that. Mm, that'd be really cool. That, that would be cool. And like, because Bane's dangerous territory, because Tom, Tom Harley played him. There's a rumor that he's coming around in Suicide Squad via ba- Dave Batista. So again, it's one of those what can you really do with Bane before you saturate a character that, yeah, you know, and Tom Hardy did do it really, really well. I he think did. he summed it up last week with the, the Exiles League of Shadows person. It's yeah. a fucking great idea. Um, but I really like that. I was like, oh shit, that was so cool. If Bane's not this muscle bound dude like that. It's actually someone who, when he takes the serum into, you know, he's become addicted to it. Yeah. They're this psychopath. Um, so I liked all them sort of nods. The big thing for me is, and, and this is why I wanted to talk about this at the end is, I really didn't need the Joker scene in it or the, I, or the suggested that that's the Joker scene. Well, it is, isn't it? It's, it's the Joker. He's, he's kind of got that that face. He's even got the laugh. I'm, I'm, I said it last week. I really get away from the Joker, please. Yeah. I'm, get away from the Joker because you there was a something like a, what was it, like 20-year gap between Nicholson and Heath Ledger. Mm. And granted, on a small screen, you had Mark Hamill smashing it out in the 90s. But on the big screen, there was a reason that gap allowed you to like the Joker. When a character gets too popular, I'm going to use Loki as an example. When they get too popular, they turn him into an anti-hero. The Joker can't be an anti-hero. That's the thing with Loki. So I read the other day that in Marvel time, he's got the third biggest screen presence to any other character. He goes, Iron Man, Captain America, and Loki has the third highest. And the thing is about turning him into an anti-hero is you you can't erase, and this is Disney all over, yeah, isn't exactly. it? You can't, can't erase the fact that he killed a shit ton of innocent people. Yeah, he killed like one of the one of the first, he was like the first, he killed uh, Agent Coulson, did he? Like the first <coughs> Agent Shield member that he saw. He gave him someone to revenge. But like the, the attacks in New York, all the kind of stuff that he orchestrated, it's like, ah, I let him off you now. Know, he's, he's, a he's, he's all right now. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's fine, he's fine, yeah. Um, you can't take away, no, the dude's a murderer. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mind it. I didn't want it, if that makes sense. Because I think yeah. the actor portraying it is really good because I think they could do something with it. The world that they've set in now makes me more interested in how that character will go. But when I read, was reading, they were promising different act, uh, different characters. The one thing I don't want is I don't want another Joker return. The Joker's fucking everywhere now. And I love the Joker. Mm. My favourite cartoon character. One of my favourite s- fictional characters ever. I don't want to yeah. see him. I don't think they'll go down the makeup route. If, if Barry Keen does become Joker, mm. um, you know, because in that he only says you become a clown, doesn't he? He says yeah. you, one minute you you know the, you're the king, and the next minute you're a clown. So, I mean, he and he's a really interesting actor. He's got that. I was talking about with killing of a sacred deer movie, but he's got that thing where there's all the, he's got that look about him that something's going on behind the eyes, and he could yes. be terrifying. He could be a very terrifying inversion. No, I agree. you're right. There's so many other characters I'd rather see. Yeah, I think especially with what they did to Riddler. Yeah, the Riddler, and I'm going to put this. I put Paul Dano. Indie darling, does some good films. You know, he was phenomenal in probably his biggest role state was There Will Be Blood, you know, 
that kind of role. But this is A-lister. Mm. He was in a film that's going to generate lots of money. And I think he even said it's like, I'm not scared now. This film, Stratosphere, he's so good at yeah. it. And they don't kill him off. And I'm so happy about that. Yeah. Because I'm hoping they go down an Arkham Asylum route. That's the movie you want, That's isn't it? the film you I want, want now. You want a movie that starts with Batman pulling up to Arkham yes. because there's been a breakout and he has to get them all back in cells. Exactly. And that would be free. Yeah. Awesome. And there's hostages in the middle. Like, give me the Joker there because you don't need to give him face Any paint story and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he's just out of his cell. Like that's that's cool, you know. Or even throwing him back in his cell, and then Batman saying you're not him, and him being like, you know, as if to say yeah. you're not the Joker. Like he's fucking elsewhere or whatever. Like th there's so many things that you could do to make that really dark and interesting without giving us the character. But you're right. There's so many characters that I want to see. That do I want to see Killer Croc in this because Killer Croc to me, there's no world where it could have made sense. Mm. But weirdly, in this world, it would kind of make sense because it would be so dark and gothic or, and he wouldn't have to be a killer croc. It could, could just be someone <laughs> mutated and it'd be something different. I want something different. Well, this, I think they've given us, they've given the runway for the penguin, haven't they? So, yeah. Which, and that's the, which other, is, that's the other thing brilliant. that I really like about this as well is the power struggle between the villains. Mm. And that's always lost. Like, you, it, it's easy to laugh at it, but the idea that Mr. Freeze wants to freeze the earth and Uma Thurman wants to create a tropical paradise, they don't work together. They don't work. Which is why it's so good, like the Arkham games, is they're fighting each other. Yeah, and, and Gotham was that, the TV series. Like, Gotham had many faults, but one of the things it was, was they were. it was always about who was the kingpin, who was at the top of that, who owned the city. And yeah. there was always the TV series. One minute Penguin had it, then he falls from grace, you know, someone steps in, you know, and, and takes the character. And I was like... That film is brilliant when Penguin steps up and he's like, my fucking town now. And you're like, cool, there's our sequel. There, you know, you've done the hard work. Yeah. Um, Colin Farrell was, I know we've said it already, but he was so good. He was, it, it was probably his best performance ever. Mm. He just, he, there's even that scene where he's so obnoxious when he's like screaming. It's in the trailers where he's like, I beat you, I beat you. But I was like, I was, I was he was acting. I was just studying. I was like, I don't see any Colin Farrell in here at all. It's such a testament to, uh, so you love, uh, Cameo, uh, you know the podcast on BBC with oh, Mark Wade. Mark Wade. They did a review and he said, "This is what an actor uses prosthetics to give you a thing. They don't rely on this prosthetics. So they use Colin Farrell's example compared to Jared Leto as the Joker. It was like Jared Leto needed those oh, no, the Gucci, wasn't it? Because he used the fat suit in Gucci. Oh, was it? Yeah, I think oh, the, I refer I think the reference about. was Jared Leto in Gucci recently because oh. he's got the Oscar nods. I don't think he." Yeah, easy nominate. I don't know. I don't. Give I don't a shit but they were they was. were quite negative about Jared Leto. Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't realize that. But then they used this example. I just kind of assumed that it was Joker and thing related. Um, what a great performance all round. Um, and it was nice to see some fresh faces. Mm. So, and it was. But I don't want to see the Joker. But then again, here's the thing: if they bring, if they give me the Joker, mate, I am going to watch it. Of course, I'm going to laugh so, it up. Mate. I'll be there opening night. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I just wanted different characters, like the the idea of these court of owls. Mm. which I know is in the comic book is supposed to be like really big I've got them I haven't read them yet because I'm not up to that stage um, I really want to see where it goes this is they're going to have spin-off TV series they yeah, have two Gotham about PD they're going to have one about the rise of Penguin Colin Farrell won't be playing Penguin but about be a young Penguin growing up they're creating their own shared Batman universe which pissed me off when I heard that however if it's just going to be Batman that's fine it gives you the option to explore other criminals maybe not dealing with Batman which would be something I'm interested in like a reverse mm. Gotham which was about all more maybe it's a TV series about one criminal in Gotham you know, so I, I don't know um, I don't know the source I don't, I don't read comics I never read comics but um, what I did find out is there is a scene in it where you very clearly see Riddler's ID 
Yeah. You know, it's shown to the camera so that the diehard, and this is great, you know, that the diehard comic readers and graphic novel fans can can go, right, brilliant, and, and pinpoint that this is New Earth 2. Yeah. Because of the name. So it's yeah, not, it is New Earth 2. Yeah, yeah. so it's not, um, what was his name? Edward Nigma that yeah. Riddler was in, you know. That I believe this one's got like a childhood Richard story or something. Type yeah. thing. Um, what we've got is we've got great, what I'm going to say, great opening film, so different to what anything I've ever seen. I've got, Two real issues. No, three real issues. We've already talked about the Joker. My first real issue is the end. So he has a great... The Riddler... Here we go with the spoilers. The Riddler wins. One of the bits I really like is that the end of Batman, he doesn't have a massive fight. He saves some people. Mm. He comes out of the dark into the light. You literally see him. The, the, the literal metaphor, he's got a flare leading people out of the dark into sunlight. He becomes a figure... And the voice of it... So this is why I didn't like the voiceover, but you need the voiceover at the beginning to mirror at the end where he basically talks about, I don't like what it's become because the line he gets given to him is, I am vengeance. So he's become, he's inspired evil. So he, now he's like, I'm no longer vengeance. I'm more than that. And then you see him like giving kids sweets and, you know, being a good guy. And I really liked that. However, the Riddler has this great plan. And, he, you know, he's working out all these, you know, who's to blame. You know, he does all of this. But then his plan is to just shoot people. It's really shit. Like, like his great plan at the end is to just have the mayor shot. And I really didn't like that. I was like, well, I don't think that's his plan. I, I mean, his plan goes as far as bombing the yeah, city. But to- but he's like his last plan is to get everyone driven into that place so they can be shot at. Which, but to me, that's not the riddle. But that's not a grand plan. That's a bit compared to what he's done. I was like, that's a bit negative. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw it as his his point was to liberate the other psychos. Like yeah. that, that's that that's his his mission. And I can't get that as a coward because he says in it, doesn't he? He's like, I'm a coward. I'm strong with a mask. He he's where he wants to be. He wanted to be arrested because he's safe in Arkham. Mm. He's not safe on the streets. There's an absolutely phenomenal bit. So we talked about the brutal brutal opening. I love the fact how he doesn't know how to hurt a man. So when you see him hit someone, he kind of stumbles and falls over because he's not a fighter. Mm. That's really good. That throughout he's like. A great presence. The mask he wears is, is creepy because he wears the glasses over the top. Paul Dano, mate, was fucking phenomenal in this film. I do I do think they didn't get the balance right. I wanted more Paul Dano. Mm. Paul Dano to me was phenomenal. Colin Farrell was phenomenal. Zoe Kravitz gave, was the perfect counterbalance to uh, our Pats is basically emotionally dead Batman, which was really cool. And I'm going to say this now, one of my favourite bits, mate, completely, you might disagree with me, I love the fact that you have to see him put on eyeshadow because it's really cool because the idea is that he it's theatrical. He needs to, when you see it, when he takes the mask off and it's running and it's dry. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Mm. Well, I, I heard this on the, um, what's his name? Chris Stuckman review where, he's, where he says, um, if you go back and watch Dark Knight Returns, uh, Batman Returns with Michael Keaton, mm. it cuts from a scene where Michael Keaton's got, Clearly, eyeliner yeah. on it, and and you know, and then he's not. But then when it comes back to where he has to rip the mask off to kiss Catwoman, it, you, before he rips the mask off, you can see they've removed it. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, but we all know he's wearing it. Yeah, and it's because Mark Keaton would have looked fucking stupid. Yes, you know. But would, in the, in this, he looked brilliant. I yeah. love the fact that he has to do that. I love the suit. The suit looked like kind of wide, like, and it it made the aesthetics of it really cool. Like, what's really cool is the bat, the bat cave. It's just an abandoned shithole with notes everywhere. Mm. Whereas in like Christopher Nolan's, it's all like good high tech. In this, it's literally Arpat's pen trying to work stuff out. Great use of actual problem solving as well. I, I really liked the film. And the further I get away from when I saw it, the more I appreciate the nuances mm. of it. Like I say, I'm not 100%. I thought the Joker would, uh, I thought the Riddle would have a, a better end game. But he wins. 
And he basically says, Batman is like, we're not friends anymore. And that's a really good scene. The heat moment, if you will, right at the end where they're talking to each other, Batman doesn't know the plan. Batman loses at the end of this film. Mm. He gains I, a bit of humanity. I he does lose. Yeah. Well, he takes it out of the board and he didn't see that there was one more mm. uh, thing, you know, he thought, he thought the book stopped with, you know, getting the Riddler. I like that as well because it promises that actually, you know, if this was a controlled Riddler, imagine what it would be like with the gloves off. Exactly. And what he could do and how dangerous he could be. Because the Riddler is fucking terrifying. In Again, in Gotham, the Riddler for the first four seasons, he's seen as like, so he's the frenzy. Yeah, he's a bit of a loser. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he's schizophrenic and that's where the other side of him comes out. But like in the movie, he's the character that like, it like uh, blows up like a, a kind of refugee area and bazookas like rooms full of people. Like he's fucking deadly kind of in the, and I don't know where that translates in the source show. I imagine it does. But because um, that's the scary thing, isn't it? If you're that intelligent. Yeah. I don't know. Does it peril Batman? I don't know. I haven't seen the, um, I read the, the comments to know, but certainly this version of him, I really, really liked. And, and it, it has a very nice way of wrapping up the movie. It's mm. like the fucking thing you should have seen at the beginning. It was the clue at the very end. And so, which makes it right. So is it a good Batman movie? Yes. Is it a good murder mystery? Yes. Is it yeah. a good crime thriller? Yes. It's all those things. I I like the aesthetics all the way through. I like the rainy city. I mean, it's as, it's, it's as rainy as Blade Runner. It's you know? as rainy as hard rain. <laughs> <laughs> like, and um, I like, I like the club scenes. I love the, um, the criminal underworld is in this, uh, this iceberg land, which is, which I do know is lifted from the source show. Yeah. But then when he learns, what, there's a club in the club? And she's like, yeah, that's where the real fucking people are. And he can't infiltrate that initially, so he has to send Catwoman in. Which was the other thing I really... I, I remember watching the movie going, you haven't just created a character because you want to pull people in. Because, you know, this movie promises the Joker and Catwoman and Riddler and Batman. They're all going to be in the same movie. Actually, she has a purpose to be in that movie. Yeah. You know, a very tangible storyline that makes her needed actually in, in the majority of the film what I really like as well is that they they go to grips with something that's a bit different we've all learned that Bruce Wayne's really cool Bruce Wayne doesn't want to be Bruce Wayne in this film so he's barely in it and when you see him being Bruce Wayne he is basically a haunted figure that doesn't care mm. the scene that he shares uh, the scene where he's looking directly at the Riddler in the the, the coffin scene the, not the coffin scene the, the church scene the cemetery scene while mm. they're in a church that's really cool but they don't live for that moment. Batman is Batman throughout the rest of the movie. It's really cool. Um, I genuinely can't remember my point. It was a really good one there. Yeah. It was Bat good. Batman not wanting to be Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Um, and you don't miss that. It's really nice having a Batman film, mm. which is literally just centered around Batman doing Batman things. Um, Bruce Wayne doesn't look like a nice person. And to fix that on, they go with this story with his parents that maybe they weren't as nice as you thought. And that brings in another underrated actor who does a phenomenal job, John Totoro, he's fucking phenomenal mm. in this film. Basically, he's hanging around in a cardigan and looks as menacing as everyone in it. Like, yeah. like I thought he did a really good job, like, where he's playing snooker and he has to tell Bruce Wayne that his dad, you know, asked him to, to, to like, kill a man. But you, as an audience member, you go, but did that happen? Because you, he's... You're trusting, the, you're yeah, trusting yeah. the enemy. Yeah, yeah. so he's like, who do you trust? And it was really good to, basically... The characters are as complex as the city it's portraying. Mm. And it was a really good film. And do you know what? I think top five Batman films. I don't think my problem is, having just watched it, the Batman Nolan trilogy is pretty, all three of them together as a continuation story to me are fucking rock solid. I, I love yeah, Batman 88. It's, it's a consistent 89. It's a consistent uh, trilogy. I, for me, I think it, I think it's the third, but I think for me it goes, I think, Dark Knight is the best. Yeah. 89 is my favourite because mm. it's the one I watch. But this is certainly... 
Yeah, for me, it's, for me, it's probably five, just after the trilogy and the original. Mm. And that's, but that's, and that ain't bad because they were all phenomenal. It was great to see, great world building very quickly as well. And it's, Gotham was a beautiful place, and what environment beautiful to look at. Visually, mm. it's a shithole, <laughs> but it's beautiful to kind of see the characters engage in this mm. like neo lit, but at the same time run down. I did. I did think it was going to be linked to Joaquin Phoenix's. Yeah, because I heard the, the same aesthetics. Well, I heard the reshoot stuff, and I thought, hold on, because the Joker had reshoots as well, and I didn't think Joaquin Phoenix was going to pop into it. I just mean, I thought you were going to finally see a picture of uh, his dad, and it be yeah, uh, you know, from the Joker movie. I can't remember his name now. No, um, I didn't know what you mean there. So I thought that's how they were going to do it, and when they didn't, I was like, oh, okay. Then. But I would have put money on it that those that they would say. You know the athlete, the Henry Cavill, uh, Cavill stuff is is one thing, um, and these guys can be grouped together in the other in um, Worlds Two, Earth Two. Yeah, so oh. I, I don't know. I, I I really hope Ezra Miller doesn't flash his way into it because again no. now he's going to start crossing over and linking multiverses together. That, I like this. It. Keep it on its own. It, yeah. Matt Reeves seems to be on a home run. I hope he comes back for the sequel and the third. Yeah, and does well, Nolan. If they if they've already planned up for a third, then you would think that he's already got ideas of where he wants to go. Well, Patterson signed a free free yeah. film deal with Warner Brothers to do these, and they should because he was fantastic, phenomenal. I am actually more interested. I'm actually. I know it's a Batman film. I am interested in what they would do with the Bruce Wayne character because obviously he'll have to grow into, you know, trying to care a bit more. So I am looking forward to that. Looking forward to which villains they pick. Looking forward to where the story takes you because the one thing as well is the storyline isn't complex, but it's grand. It fucking, mm. the storyline is is kind of borderlines on epic, like the journey you go through. I think as well, I think this movie will end with, I think this trilogy, if it becomes, I'll put it right there now, that if this makes a trilogy, he dies at the end of the whole film. Yeah. Because Bond has now shown you that if you, we live in a world where we have multiverses and multiple versions, yeah, kill them. you can kill them off. And yeah. particularly with the fact that in the Nolan film, you are so convinced that's how that's going to wrap up. Yeah. This movie will go, I'll fucking do it then. If you weren't brave to do it, I'll fucking I'll do, do it. it. Um, so yeah, I, I was really good. I think our parts, fantastic job. Everyone in it, fantastic. The takeover for me is Andy Serkis being so little, but so pivotal because there's a cufflink scene, which I won't go into details on, that is heartbreaking. Mm. It's so subtly heartbreaking. It's then completely redeemed two scenes later that you're like, oh, fuck, there it is. Hold hands, brill. So yeah, I really liked it. I'm not going to rush to go watch it again because it's three hours. It is but, three I, hours. but when it comes out, I will watch it um, when, when it's on home release. Tell you what, the last point, um, watching that film, went to midnight release, didn't get out there till like fucking half past three, nearly four o'clock in the morning. And even then, I still could not give a toss about Morbius. <laughs> fucking new trailer out. And I went for a piss. I, like, I didn't see it. I got the Sonic. This is the point. This is my final point. because so I'm going to get this under two hours. Yeah. When I was watching it, I was expecting some big release trailers for this film. Yeah. Sonic the Angel three times. Seriously. They played the same trailer three times. Oh, I didn't make. Seriously, got Morbius. And then I've just fucking. And though this was good. Uh, no fucking knobhead sighting telling me to go visit the Odeon where I was fucking sat. <laughs> well, there's a positive. Thanks for joining us this week. Do let us know how you got on with the Batman and all the other movies that we talked about this week. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.